Greetings, audience, and welcome to another episode of the Dart Jam Podcast. We hope you're ready for another episode talking about End War. We had our very own Spud Spadoni. Yep, that was me. He was in attendance of End War, and we also have a special guest today, Andrew, a.k.a. Dart Sweep, who was also attending. Hell yeah. Uh, there's also myself, Boomstick Mods, and Nate Nathani. Hey, and we will be discussing the 2023 End War. Uh, we know you all happen to really enjoy last year's End War talk. And even though myself and Nate were not able to go, unfortunately, even though really wish I could have been there, scheduling conflicts and all that, we still wanted to be able to bring you all kind of the End War experience just so you can kind of see what it was like for the people in attendance. Uh, before we get into the main episode, uh, let's go into what everybody's been up to lately, starting with our guest, Dart Sweet. What you been up to? Thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited. I'm a big fan, and I've uh, been listening to the Dart Jam since you guys have been rocking and rolling, so this is nice. pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's been a busy, busy season. Uh, been running the DMV Nerfers group uh, here in Maryland. We're year-round, so... Don't really get much of a break, but also helping out with the with Southern Maryland House of Nerf and Neil's group, Maryland Nerf Herders. So keeping busy all year round with that, as well as uh, making trips up to New Jersey for the TNT uh, scrimmages and captain's clinics, which has been a lot of fun. Um, and trying to get around to different Nerf groups. Uh, I did... PASF, uh, Pennsylvania Survival Fest in Pennsylvania in uh, June. And uh, I am currently still <laughs> recovering from this year's end war, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> Same. Uh, but yeah, not, not too much uh, in the ways of, uh, of blasters. Uh, I'm having a spirit built by our good friend Justice, a.k.a. Wonderboy. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and then also, I, uh, I do a lot of stuff with Dart Zone Blasters. So uh, I helped out with their booth at End War and a couple other events that they were a part of. Cons. Yeah, that's nice. That's pretty huge. I didn't know you were doing that until you were at End War. So that's awesome. Yeah, uh, Derek Sykes is the Dart Zone brand ambassador, so, and he's relatively local to our groups, and uh, so he's in the area, and he's made it out to a few of our events, and uh, we kind of sparked a friendship uh, within that time, so I've been providing moral support for, for him and Dart Zone whenever I get an opportunity. So um, I, I, I didn't get to mention it when I saw Derek, but I'm glad that my picture is still on the Amazon page for Dart Zone. So, <laughs> <laughs> let him know. <laughs> Poster boy. Yeah, Derek's, a, Derek's good people. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun at uh, End War, and he actually ended up getting a chance to uh, to play a little bit, so that was fun because he usually doesn't get a chance. So, uh, But yeah, we're just... Uh, I, uh, I'm looking forward to some of the new offerings Dart Zone is offering uh coming out soon uh as far as yeah. blasters goes and uh we're just getting ready for continuing this busy season we got apoc and bpoc up in new jersey with the uno yep. 
Uno guys and uh, TNT events. So looking forward to that. And then we have a couple of anniversary battles local. Southern Maryland House of Nerf is what in their eighth, ninth, seventh, seventh, eighth, ninth, ninth year. Um, and oh, what? then <laughs> it's Southern Maryland House of Nerf. Oh, 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 anniversary. Sorry, yeah. Uh, Southern Maryland anniversary battle is, uh, yeah, celebrating eight years. Eight years. Uh, both Southern Maryland House of Nerf Whoa. and Maryland Nerfers are going on eight years this year. Nice. And uh, DMV Nerfers is going on their second or third. I- I've lost track at this time. I think it's. Well, you're going into your third. You're celebrating your second. That's it. That's uh, correct. Just. Uh, that, that's similar to what, like, say for Nerf Herders and Smith Hunt, where we're like, we're celebrating the completion of our eighth. We're beginning our ninth. Yeah. I mean, Neil knows. Um, I, I, I can't count, so um, <laughs> whatever someone tells me, I'll just take their word there, for it. There are many a story of Andrew's counting abilities, none of them in his favor. In my, def- <laughs> in my defense, you're, you're, uh, you're a part of a lot of those stories, so. Um, that is, that I, I claim no responsibility for any of those. I was relying on you for counting. Uh, and <laughs> that then, was my mistake. And then, uh, last but certainly not least, we have, uh, we have Maryland Nerf Herders Battle of Endor, annual forest mm. battle. Uh, so, mm. really looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm basically just recovering from End War and uh, gearing up to finish out the rest of the year. Awesome. Nice. Very nice. Nice. Definitely lots to look forward to in the near future, especially those local to Maryland or those who don't mind a bit of a travel. Uh, but uh, Nate, what have you been up to? So I've been kind of busy with uh, summer classes, but um, I did manage to order two two some of some very uh, I don't know what the word is rare. I I don't know hard to get blasters. Uh, I put in my order Coveted. for momentum. And uh, and I just got reached out to by uh, Gavin for my SBF order. So that's going to be shipping out in a week or two. That's cool. You just so happen to get two of the most expensive blasters out there right now. I have been saving up for (laughs) two years. Don't at me. Give me money. You're also uh, uh, working. Appearance from Slug in the chat. (laughs) (laughs) You're also working on a a podcast episode, from what I've heard, right? Yes, yes, I am working on that. (laughs) Now, in Nate's how many times do I have to apologize? They are taking over. They're taking over an episode that I was supposed to be editing, but my computer decided to have issues. I like at the end of the day, we can just blame Boom for everything. So I handed it off to Nate, thinking, hey, can you finish this for me? Or basically do it for me? Because it's not like I can give you a partially done episode. Uh, Why can't but, you do that, though? Who's, yeah, who's never edited before, could... so like that's a big step, too. Hey, I've, I've put together a horribly edited uh, instruction video for the Red Herring. Oh, there you go. I did do that. That's uh, true, you did. I used that. Yeah, it was edited more like an action scene than a documentary. Nice. Well, yeah, hey, that's something. But it's not the Dark Jam yeah. podcast, so at the end of the day, it's kind of like low tier, you know? No, no. I mean, my, my standards of quality have to be higher. Okay, you know what? Just for you, I'm going to be putting in a, like a four-word apology. Uh, like, just like, <laughs> hey, guys, uh, sorry. Uh, I, I really the haters. dropped the ball on this one. <laughs> to all the haters, I apologize to nobody. <laughs> you see, I was actually delaying the episode so that you would anticipate it more. True. That's right. Well... Well, yeah. 
You, uh, you, I'm now. Now all I want to hear is more dark jam. So, I look. So, and I want to hear more about your week this month. Like, let, what else are you? What else are you doing? You know, besides editing and school. I mean, I had. So I'm actually in a different uh, recording location now. This is not my usual setup. I brought my entire setup to uh, my summer place, um, nice. which was very uh, nerve wracking because I had hard drives in my computer and uh, mm. we were going over speed bumps. Yay! Oh, oh, they're not. <laughs> SSDs? Luckily, nothing. No, luckily nothing corrupted, and Ooh. everything that is sensitive, uh, I do have on my SSD. So nice. That. And you got a new mic, I also, right? Yeah, I got I got the new mic, so hopefully my audio won't be garbage. <laughs> I don't know. You'll be the judge of that, Spud. Yeah, I guess so. I'll make it worse. <laughs> I'll like corrupt yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Maximum crunch. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so. It, I think what's what's super like it's funny like between momentum and SBF like they're both brush brushless, eh, brushless blasters. Uh, that's a try saying that ten times fast. Not right now. We're gonna completely wreck the audio. Both brush. Uh, yeah. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> both brushless blasters, but like they're so different because you have like momentum's dual stage, no screen, whereas SBF is like single stage, but it's got it's got a screen. So and yeah, like so like Gavin asked me like, hey, what startup sound do you want? And I'm like. I get to use a startup sound. So I'm like, That's okay, cool. How, so how does that tie into the theme of what yep. I'm going with the blaster? Um, so like, I, because I pick color schemes for all my blasters. So like, uh, I think, yeah, I, I've got all my filament over here. I brought it up with my printers. I, I transplanted everything. Anyway, mm -hmm. so for the momentum, I'm going like um, British racing green, like the, the green and yellow. Yeah. And for the SBF, I'm gonna probably have to um, do the startup tone myself, but I want to make it look like Star Platinum from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Okay. I'm, I'm going to attempt to do that. <laughs> I'm sure if I if I watched the show, I would know what you were talking about, but I imagine that's you probably, probably would. I, okay, Is that, uh, an, anime JoJo fans in, in the chat, you got me. Yeah, er, everything's a JoJo reference. It's about, I just, I just want someone one. to do an SBF with the Godfather theme when it starts up. I think that'd be so sick. <laughs> just like some <something laughs> OG. You probably could. Mm -hmm. If I was into flywheels and I had a ton of money, I would definitely do it. The SBF is extremely fun. I had a chance to try it out a couple times, so you will not regret having an SBF at all. Nice. I feel like it's gonna ruin other uh, flywheel blasters for me. Good. It's very possible. <laughs> see, I see. I disagree with that only because the uh, FDL three was a thing in the past, and that didn't ruin other people for other blasters. So, well, trust me, I yeah. think you'll still find a place for other blasters. Yeah, it's not totally. That's yeah, that's that's a good point. Until we get a like a cost efficient AEG. Mm -hmm. One of the many AEGs. That's that... my thing. I love I love a good AEG. <laughs> and how about you, Spud? What have you been up to? Um Yeah, so what have what have I done? So I mean obviously I went to Enmore. Um I'm in Utah now, right? So I flew back to the East Coast, mostly because like I was so mad that they put Enmore the closest to my hometown because I'm from South Carolina. So it's like you put it an hour away from me for the first time, I would have had to just like wake up the morning of the event and I could drive to it. But here I am on the other side of the country now and I can't do it. 
you know, because Rochester I had to fly for and everything. And I was like, well, if it's not close by next year, I probably won't go. But it was just like too close for me not to go. And then it gave me a reason to go home and see family for the weekend because it was, you know, right right before Fourth of July. Um, and then so I flew back for that, hung around for Fourth of July, flew back to Utah, and then the next weekend. I went to a Utah Nerf Foam Flingers event at a mall in like 20 minutes from the city of Salt Lake. And um, I thought the event before last month was like the whole first floor of the mall they shut down and they had a Nerf War in the first floor of the mall. And I was like, that's sick. This one was at like a laser tag arena kind of place. So it wasn't like the full mall, but it was like it was like an old department store that had like a ton of barriers and like, you know, set up that it was like a really it was like a good like cqb kind of thing i think like kane does a lot of cqb that like looked similar yeah from the yeah. videos i've seen so like I, t- I took a ton of footage of both i i just got a um i had a gopro 3 that i bought like a couple months ago and then i got a dji action 3 for end war which my footage nice. came out super well I won't have to borrow Dart Sweep's footage as much this year, so (laughs) (laughs) I won't have to ask any more favors, hopefully. Um, But yeah, I I did a ton of footage, so I'm really excited to, like, do more video production um, now that, like, I have that to kind of use, and I have more experience with, like, HVZ events, and obviously I have, like, all these years of experience. I I think I could, like, make some interesting content. and then I bought I bought a crossbow recently. No, no, you know, big, big flex. Nothing, nothing crazy. Um, I think I, you're I, forgetting a, a shameless self plug over here. A shameless self plug. Silver Fox I... Industries is that? Oh ring yeah, bell? yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I got my <laughs> first my first kit. Like, well, my Aon Pro kit is now the hardware is now available on Silver Fox. At least you can pre order it. It's not available right now. So I have hardware and and files now available. But uh, yeah, so that's cool. That's cool. So I'm really excited to have that because that was, that was a lot, a lot of work to kind of like get that uh, um, through in the past couple of months. So, um, and a lot of people have been asking about it like very constantly over the past like weeks and weeks and weeks. So having having people the you know letting people have the chance to get my my kit again is is nice. So, um, what what's in the kit? So the kit is so the Aon Pro is obviously like the base. And then it's a pump kit that you add to it, and it's got no glue, no cutting, no drilling required. It, it's it's a full drop-in kit. So it's a bunch of 3D printed parts that go over the top of the Aon Pro, and, and it adds a new muzzle and adds a pump grip. And then the hardware is a bunch of screws and like uh, metal bars that like connect the the priming action. Uh, I used it at Enwar, and I, I love it. It's I like it's my first kit that I produced is the same is the same one I use at all my local events and I've used it in two end wars and I've never had an issue with them. So um, I really, really like the way that kit came out. I, I will say it's for your first kit. It's really put together and well thought out, like no supports anywhere, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also you had you had this really smart system where you like if you wanted to change your FPS, you could either use the original Aeon Pro barrel or you yeah. can use the new barrel that came with your kit. And it was just flipping around one piece. That was genius. Yeah, that's the only issue I have with the Aon Pro is that the barrel they use is like some metric barrel. It's not a 5 eighths inch barrel. So like their coupler, the plastic coupler that it attaches to in the blaster is different. Um, so uh-huh. so yeah, that was, that was a big, big thing.
But yeah, so I've done a ton of events. This has been a big like season of foam for me. I feel like I'm like touring like the country for events because I've like <laughs> went went on one side of the country to the other side of the country to do like some big events. Like I don't know if I if I, if I could have made Armageddon, that would have been like a really sweet trifecta of things to like do. But uh, yeah, we'll get into end war in a little bit. And the UNFF guys were really nice and accommodating for me. So shout out to them. But uh, yeah, that's that's it. What about you, Boom? What, what have you been up to in the past like week or month or month and a half, really? <laughs> uh, problems with technology, mostly. Uh, <laughs> Same. <laughs> if if uh, if you haven't t- been able to tell from my channel lately, uh, not much has been going up, and that's not for a lack of uh, content available to me, more or less. Uh, it's well, it's twofold. One. Uh, I broke my phone, which is what I've been using to film uh, all of my videos on. And I thought I had a a, a decent replacement, uh, or at least a stand-in, which is what I use for the Cynthia. And not sure if you can tell from that video, but there's definitely a dip in the camera quality between the video before that and the video after that. And so I wasn't happy with that, but I do finally have a new phone uh, now, thankfully. So I can start filming again, but it's also summertime, which means my son is home, uh, which means I'm a little bit more preoccupied during the day. Uh, but uh, the progress continues on things, blasters that pretty much need to have reviews done on them. I rebuilt my Venturi recently. Yeah, uh, I saw that. An, uh, APOC, which I'm excited to do. Because uh, I always love the Venturi. Like, it's got its quirks, but I have always really loved the Venturi. It's a beautiful blaster. Uh, and I just needed to... It's it's really... Well, I just like... need to reprint mine. Mm-hmm. And now that it's reprinted, I can finally use it again. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy for that. Uh, other than that, um, not too much going on. Slowly collecting as many uh, Flycore builds as I can. I've <laughs> built, I think, all but one of them so far. You uh, built the M6? <laughs> the Yeah, I have one of those. Nice. Uh, yeah, I was actually the first one to actually have one of those. Because uh, I bought one of the beta models off the creator uh, ooh, last year? Not last year. Yeah, last year. Yeah, I bought it off of him last year, so I've actually had it since then. Whoa. Uh so the only one I don't have is the uh, Q2 uh, Flycore. So that's the only one I haven't built yet, which is on the list to do. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. I have to wire mine up. Yeah, I want to do a video talking about like, hey, what's the right Flycore for you? Because I think I've got a pretty good idea now between after building the uh, Jacuzzi uh, that... I really like that one as compared to, no offense to our fellow host, Meeker. I did prefer that over Meeker's Flycore. <laughs> the Mark uh, 23? Just... I, uh, I, I keep sure. telling him. Numbers. Sure. It's, M- it's MK random numbers. Like that. that... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was the 23. Uh, I think it was the 23. Yeah. Because I built one of those as well, which I did like. I just think the handle's a bit beefy, which makes yeah. sense when it's a magging Brit blaster, uh, especially using straight talons and whatnot. But I think the Jacuzzi having a slightly slimmer handle made that one kind of just a little bit better. 
and I'm able to make my jacuzzi look like a Ryobi drill, which I do yeah. love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know someone did something similar with, uh, a, with a griffin, I think it was. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, a yeah. De- Ooh, yeah. DeWalt, I, I think. I forgot about that one. It yeah. was either DeWalt or Milwaukee. It's something like that, yeah. 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 Yours is a Ryobi, though, right? Yeah. What? This is the Ryobi. Yeah, mine's Ryobi, but like somebody had made a Griffin uh, remix where it looked kind of like a drill with like the bat with the ba- uh, grip battery thing, just like the uh, current one that I have. But I think that catches us up on what we've all been up to. I know for some of us, it filling in the gaps. Summertime's always a little bit busier for everyone. So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into our episode and going into End War, which I believe let's just talk about getting to End War. So, Spud and Dart Sweep, take it away. You want to go first? I know you, your travel was probably less extreme than mine was. Yeah, so um, <laughs> uh, initially I wasn't going to go uh, just because, well, a couple things. Uh, I mean, I, they, I think they announced the original End War back in January, and then yeah. that fell through Im- immediately after like 30 minutes, I want to say, unfortunately. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, we were just kind of waiting for the re-announcement uh which was supposed to happen in march originally i think they said um and then that never happened and then they finally finally announced uh finally announced it in may right mid-may if i'm correct um uh, but i think it like might, that. was it it might have even been before that it might have been in, i because i can't remember i think it was like right before i moved out so it may have been early may yeah I want to say they gave us like 45 days is what everyone was saying. 45 days out okay. uh, before okay. end war. Yeah, um, that's kind of a short timeline. Yeah. May 16th. You say May 16th? May 16th. Yeah. That sounds right. May yeah. 16th was the announcement of wow. the uh, change. Okay. So yeah. so, yeah, about a month and a half before the event. Okay. But, yeah, originally I wasn't going to go just because of the, the short notice, and then it was on uh, July 4th weekend. Yeah. No one really was planning on going from our area. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't find anyone that really wanted to go. Um, and there was also a Maryland Nerf Herders event uh, that weekend as well. So, um, originally I had planned to stay in town and, and attend that. Uh, but then... Derek, uh, again, Derek Sykes from Dart Zone, uh, had asked me if I wanted to go um, and presented a great opportunity that I just couldn't say no to. So uh, I decided Mm -hmm. to go. And uh, we basically, I'm in Gaithersburg, Maryland area. Uh, Derek is by the Pennsylvania, West Virginia line, uh, which is about an hour away from me. Uh, but I had to drop my dog off at my folks' house so they could pet sit him. Um, and I don't know if, if any of you have met my dog Chewbacca before. And Neil has, of course, but he suffers from <laughs> extreme social anxiety. Um, so, oh, man. Uh, so thank you to my folks uh, for dog sitting him for the weekend. But yeah, so I had to drop 
Chewbacca off, uh, which is about mm, 20, 20, 30 minutes away from me, and then head back up towards uh, Derek's house, which was about an hour, a little bit over an hour away from there. Um, and then we took off uh, from there. He had his wife, Jordan, and his uh, son, Tucker. Um, I hope that's his name. At least that's what I was calling him the entire time. So. Um, <laughs> Um, it's probably like John or Frank or something like that, but yeah, some um, totally different. Well, now he's named Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so we left from, uh, Pennsylvania and it probably took us, the GPS said it was going to take about six and a half hours, six hours and 20 minutes. Uh, but we stopped, uh, along the way to grab a bite and fill up on gas and yeah. we had the big dart zone trailer with us. So. Um, I think it probably took more closer to about seven, seven and a half hours to get there. Okay. Uh, but the trip wasn't bad. It w wasn't that bad at all. Um, I, th I think what helped was that we didn't take the route that I thought we were going to take, which would have been 95 and then cut over at some point. Um, and then there was some type of accident or something happened and we ended up getting rerouted onto a uh, side route, um, which there wasn't really any traffic at all. So we had pretty smooth sailing getting there. Nice. Um, uh, I can say I wasn't entirely entirely prepared for the heat and humidity once I got there. Mm -hmm. um, it's a Carolina <laughs> heat. And Yeah, and uh, I remember showing up into the hotel room and the AC was on. It was like 64 degrees or whatever. I was like, oh, man, this is too cold. I bumped it up, and an hour later, I was like, oh, my gosh, this needs to be down to 55 or something like that. Yep. So, yep. Um, um, But, yeah, I had a, uh, I had a very smooth, smooth sailing to, to get to End War. And uh, we were meeting up with uh, our friends RJ and Bree from, uh, from Ohio and uh, Chris Caruso and uh, a couple of the other guys from Ohio as yep. well as the Wisconsin guys. Yeah. And, um, but it was, it was great. You know, I love, I love any opportunity, uh, when there's like these large scale events just to get, get together and hang out and see people. And it's always a fun time for me. I'm pretty easy to please. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> now I will say when it comes to North Carolina traffic, it probably wasn't an accident. Carolina just has traffic for no reason. Dude. It's incredibly frustrating. Every time I've driven through there. Just well, slow down to a crawl. You got the triangle you got to deal with between uh, <laughs> all those different. Because you got what I think the triangle is like where Duke is. It's where like Raleigh is. And I think Chapel Hill or it could be Charlotte. Yep. And it's just it's the, that area is a mess a lot of the times. It's not any worse than Atlanta is. So, Whoa, I mean, if you haven't driven no through Atlanta, reason. it's nothing. But yeah, for sure. If you're driving through like <laughs> metropolitan Charlotte, it's probably a nightmare. Um I've only traveled flew Georgia going down to Florida, and I don't remember it ever being that bad. But that really? was just passing through. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you didn't see a car like on fire on the side of the road, I don't know if you had a real Georgia <laughs> highway experience. <laughs> it's happened to me multiple times. I mean, I, I, I've lived in a lot of places. I've lived in Los Angeles, which I will say is notorious for their, their traffic. Uh, but I will say, uh, and I've been to, you know, I, I went to school in Savannah, Georgia, uh, so made it up oh, nice. a few times. Um, 
uh, to Atlanta. Um, this was probably when you guys were still wee lads uh, about 20 <laughs> years ago. Um, but I, uh, uh, I don't remember the traffic being as bad as the traffic we have here in D.C. D.C.'s traffic oh, is true. horrible. True. Yeah. I forget about that. Yeah, it's probably a nightmare. Yes. At least in like LA, you can move or you can go on the side roads or, or things like that. But DC traffic is just it's just horrible. It's on another level. Yeah. Yeah. As a New Yorker, I can relate to that. True. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I feel like we all got our own stories from our own like local like metropolitan <laughs> areas and everything. Um, luckily, I didn't really hit really any traffic because I flew right. So I um, <laughs> took a flight from Salt Lake City to Columbia. Uh, like Metropolitan Airport in South Carolina um, because I wanted to kind of see my folks first and it was a cheaper flight. So I left work like two hours early that day and then and then flew, I think my lay, I had a layover in like Dallas, Fort Worth. And then I had, went right into Columbia. So I think it was like from 4 p.m. to midnight was my travel. And um, so I got to my parents' house at midnight. Yeah, it was, it was actually pretty pretty smooth sailing as far as, flights go and last and where i had like a delay that was like four hours long so that sucked um so this is fine and i got there the day before foamcon so my my whole thing is i would get there at midnight i would like sleep and then i would wake up like an hour and a half early and then drive from columbia to charlotte which is again it's like an hour and 18 minutes and get to uncc and Kind of just, I showed up to Foamcom with like all my luggage and stuff because I was gonna stay at a friend's house in Charlotte, so I had like free accommodation, which was awesome. And they were actually like in Denver for that weekend, so I was like, you know, that's better because like then I can kind of just like be whatever this weekend and like be in your house and chill, and I'll just like get you a Target gift card or something, and <laughs> you know, we'll call it square. Um, and and it, it worked out really nicely in that in that situation, so. Um, it's like yeah, a uh, like, free God. Airbnb. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. There were there was it was even better because you know it was like it most Airbnbs are kind of cleaned up for guests in in a way where the, like there was you know she she had like an alcohol bar and like you know beer in the fridge. I didn't I didn't use any of that, but uh, I had popsicles in the freezer. I definitely had some of those. You know, it was like <laughs> uh, it was like a high horse Airbnb if you really think about it, but. Uh, no, it was it was it was clutch to have that, especially with that flight being how like the round trip was not like the most affordable thing ever. Um, so not having to pay for accommodations in Columbia, not having to pay for accommodations in Charlotte made the whole trip a lot easier because, uh, you know, going to FoamCon and all that and going to MWAR and, and then Foam Pro Tour Final it was just a really whirlwind of a weekend for sure. Um, yeah. Right. Do we want to go right into FoamCon? Because like that's kind of where everything starts for me. Um. Well, uh, I will say for me, uh, we got in on Thursday evening, um, and then there was actually a quote-unquote VIP dinner that... uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. I I forgot. Dinner. Um, But yeah, Drac was hosting a VIP get-together at the Heist Brewery, I want to say, which was really cool. Um, and, uh, so we went to that and that was a lot of fun. I got to meet the UNCC mod team there and got to know them a little bit, um, as well as, uh, Ryan and Jesse from Silver Fox were there. Um, Mm -hmm. Naptown and Jill were there from Naptown Nerf. Um, 
and uh, Charles and a couple of his guys from Containment Crew were there. Uh, and then, surprisingly, uh, I wasn't expecting this, uh, Jared from Jared's Epic uh, Blaster Battle was there. Uh, so that was really cool <laughs> nice. to... So you got some real high rollers. Yeah, yeah so uh, big, big names. Get a chance to meet him. Uh, but yeah, that was a nice little intimate uh, gathering. Uh, and we just kind of hung out and talked for a little bit. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so I, I felt... Uh, I felt like a small fish amongst foam flinging royalty there. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> I know how you feel with that. Now you know how I feel on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, that's cool, though. Yeah. It was nice because you know I had met, I met Ryan and Jesse last year or, uh, from. I met them at Maryland Mayhem, actually, officially for the first time. And, you know, I'd seen Naptown Nerf on video, but never officially met them. So that was really cool. Mm. And then, uh, you know, Drac was, Drac was a great host. Uh, the moment we got there, he, he knew me by name. He was, Andrew, I'm, I'm Darts Weed. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so glad you came. So uh, I'm yeah. really glad to have had the opportunity to, uh, to have that experience. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I wanted to go to that. But uh, you know, it was like work and all that just didn't didn't work out for me. But that's it's, I'm glad you had a good time. Glad that that went well. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess we want to get right into FoamCon now. Yeah, we could talk about FoamCon. I know you had a you had a big day with FoamCon. You had a whole booth with uh, Derek for sure, and yeah. I had a booth at FoamCon. Yeah, I actually. So the original idea was for me to help Derek out and showcase. Uh, some of Dart Zone's new offerings, which were the Thunderbolt, which is essentially the Spectrum 2.0 uh, Targets version. Uh, yeah. Of yeah, that thing looks really nice. It's, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to get one, maybe two. Uh, it's definitely a great HVZ blaster. I, I run a Spectrum uh, for HVZ at uh, UMBC during their, uh, they play two times a week, um, Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, so whenever I get a chance to go out there, if I'm running full lengths, I'm running the spectrum. Um, and they also were showcasing the outlaw, the, the hammer prime, uh, so revolver sick. that everyone's pretty excited about, um, which is yeah. a fantastic blaster, which I think a lot of people are going to be interested in. Um, and they had the Mark four, of course, which just kind of, I think it just shipped the week before started shipping out. Um, and then they had an assortment of their new gel blasters that they were showcasing the, was it the, uh, Kratos and the, and the Hydra. Um, and you had the and, Omnia too, right? And the Omnia was there, which was my favorite. And I'm definitely going to be picking up at least a couple, uh, of yeah. those as well. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't originally, I ended up having a booth there, um, unofficially, um, I wasn't planning to have a booth, but when I got there and saw the amount of room there, I just asked, is it okay to set up a table? I had brought some merch from the Maryland Film Alliance, uh, to see if I could sell it, any of it for us. And, uh, I think, I, I think I sold more, more merch that day than I have since we started selling merch. Wow. <laughs> so it ended up working out. Yeah. So it That's wasn't crazy. anything major. It was just like it was just stickers and patches and keychains and little small things. I think 
probably because it was on the less expensive stuff. Yep. I, someone bought all the stickers that I had laid out. Um, really? Which I wow. I was really impressed with. Yeah. And I think someone bought all the patches as well. So uh, That's crazy. But yeah, so that, yeah, so that was uh, really fun uh, to, to have that. Uh, but yeah, no, we, uh, we got there, uh, in the morning, I think it was around, I think we got there around seven or eight, I forget. Oh, what wow. Time. Um, and then we had to lug everything upstairs cause it was in this gigantic ballroom, um, which yeah. will be great. Uh, I mean, there's a couple caveats to it, uh, to it, which I'm sure people have heard of. But as far as the space goes, it would be great if they end up hosting, hosting it again there. If they had the similar space, uh, size of space yeah. to to have it again. Uh, but we got there and we were bringing stuff up. Originally, Dart Zone was going to have a huge inflatable target, uh, which ended up coming out at Foam Pro Tour on Sunday. Uh, we set right. it up, but that was supposed to be there, uh, and then we were denied access for that for whatever reason, which was fine. It just was less work for us to have to deal with. Um, yeah, and and then uh, and then we were given the news that we couldn't actually fire blasters inside, um, mm -hmm. so that was news to everyone. And uh, but again, completely understandable um, and under the circumstances and, and the past history. So we just ro yeah. ran with it. It was fine. Improvised and did what we could. And I, I think overall, generally, people had a good time. Yeah, I guess I guess one thing I'd like to, to cover this, too, is that it was at UNC Charlotte. So it was I guess it's a uh, UNC kind of like. Uh, University of North Carolina derivative that's in the Charlotte area. They go by the 49ers. So they're like a different school, but that's what they go by. And it's like a pretty sizable campus for kind of what I would consider. Like I've seen campuses that are like, oh, it's the smaller version of like this larger university. Um, it was a pretty sprawling campus, which like when I drove up for FoamCon, I was like, this is going to be great tomorrow for Enmore, right? And um, the the one like the, the early thing that I was like, the one... Honestly, FoamCon was great for, for what it was. And I mean, all the events were. But like, I definitely got lost in that campus because it was like, oh, uh, like the email I got was like, you know, find the union. I think it was the union building or student union, which I think is kind of like they had, like the first floor had like it was like a food court. So it seems like kind of the main atrium that like students use for different things. And like, like yeah. you know, Dirt Sweep said it was like, you know, three stories uh, of a building. Um, and so like it, it has access on two streets. So I went up the wrong street on Google maps. It would have been nice if they just had some like road signs, some of the cheap ones you could get from like Lowe's or home Depot and just like, Oh, like foam con, like turn this way for, for parking. Um, right. It was nice too, because it was a parking garage. So I could, you know, keep my, you know, the luggage I did have in my car, at least it was, you know, under shade and Drac paid for all the parking for all the attendees as far as I'm, I remember. So that, that was really nice yep. to have. Um, I got there 15 minutes late, I think, because I was like, I am only selling some stickers and some patches. So like, it's not really going to matter. Like if I show up 15 minutes early, we have, we were, we had from seven to 10 to set up. And then at 10 PM, the doors would open for attendees to kind of see the showroom floor. And then I think that was from like 10 to five or 10 to four. And then it got extended to five. 
So it was like, if I'm not there for the first 15 minutes, there are hours I'm going to be here for. So it was, it was fine. Yeah. Um, but I showed up and I, you know, again, I show up early and there was like two people in the venue hall that were like not people <laughs> either working there or behind booths. So it was like, okay, at least like, you know, it's not like there's like hundreds of people like sprawling in here or anything. So I was able to set up next to, uh, uh, Legacy Blasters, which is a new company from one of our friends in, in the Georgia area who now lives in Florida. Uh, Nathan, and he he makes like a ton of like rainbow pumps and like rainbow pistols. He's he's like he's a really, really good uh, like engineer. So he like makes high quality blasters. So he like pulled extremely some of, some of high quality. Out. They were very impressive. Yeah, because it's a lot of like clear PVC and and like painted wood and like but all that's like polished and like finished so the pvc that's clear is like all the edges are like super refined and everything like you know because he's got like real machine he's like access to a machine shop he had like plus bows that were like laser cut with like um it was like aluminum i think it was like quarter inch like aluminum or like steel or something that like had like laser cut like patterns in the plus bow panels it was it was nuts i've seen some of that before but it was really cool to see like his whole setup and there's a lot of a lot of great people that were that were there um, who had like booths and everything. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like one of those things where like after the first hour, there wasn't like a ton of people coming through. So I just kind of like walked around and saw what people were doing, bought some stuff, got to talk to Silver Fox, uh, you know, the the duo that kind of makes up Silver Fox proper. Um, because again, I like released a kit like that morning. And like hadn't really met them face to face, even though I was at last and more, I didn't really get a chance to talk to them. And because there wasn't that many people around, I was able to like have full conversations with Silver Fox, have full conversations with Containment Crew, and like really, you know, have full conversations like Dirt Sweep and and Drac and their whole booth and everything. So it was like really nice that like it, you know we could have like really cool interactions and it wasn't rushed. Which I mean, it would have been great to have more booths, but you know you you, you lose interactions when you have that many people coming through and um. Like Darksweep said, it was a big haul. So I think Flying Chicken, who who works for Drac now, wanted to do like a jolt battle in the center of that large kind of ballroom. But again, there was no, you couldn't fire blasters in the building, which again is like totally understandable from like, uh, you know, an event that happened, uh, you know, something that happened that was like a pretty serious thing that happened on campus a couple years back. So like protocol and their rules totally understand from their perspective why they did so. Um, but other than that, like it was, it was a good event. And then they had, um, uh, blaster checks, like FPS checks and, and rules and orientation on the second floor below for NWAR. So you went down there and they had a whole room that was dedicated to chronograph checking. And they had like one or two mods doing that. They had another room that was just a moderator sitting there and playing a video that they had pre-made for the event that like explained some of the rules, but also some of the safety and some of the rules and regulations they had for the event, like where you could play, where you couldn't play, how they play, how you put blasters up when you go into buildings. And it just felt like really professional um, for sure. So like when you go through that seven minute video, then you can go to another room and then you can sign up for the event proper. You can put your name down. Um, you get, you know, your, your bandana and everything. Um, so like they just had a really great setup as the moderating team. I felt like they they knew what they were doing. Obviously, you know they've done HVZ in the past, so like they have experience with it. Um, one big thing I really liked about that is they gave us a business card that had 
all of the campus, um, they, it had a, a number for campus uh, police for non-emergencies, one for emergencies, a first aid coordinator, and then they had a QR code that had the rules of the entire event on this business card. And I was like, that's so clutch. I love that they did that. And last year, and like, you know, I've been to other events that are bigger like that. And, you know, it's either sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. So I was really glad to have that. Um, and then on the flip side, it had like you put down your personal contact number so that way they could know who to contact if something happened to you. Um, and and it was like just from that point and from the video that they had, I was like, OK, this is a team that knows that they, like I, I like it so far. Um, and with that business card and everything too, you, you had to get a button. So each each player got like a push pin button, like a circular one that they made, and it had a logo on it for a different god. Because the whole theme for for N War that year was like Greek god, Greek mythology themed. Um, so you got this button, and like you could kind of get one based on your team. So if all you and your friends wanted to be on a team together, you'd all get the same button. But they all represented like a different god. Um, I was going to get Dionysus because that's like the god of wine. He's like a little wine baby. So I was like, hey, hell yeah, like Dionysus. But all my team members got uh, Hephaestus, I think I'm saying that right. Um, so I, I ended up, you know, getting a button based on that. But they had like Zeus, they had Apollo, and you kind of picked that. And that's what you, for and more the next day, that was like the team you were going to be on. And they didn't really explain exactly what that was going to be. But I was like, okay, cool. Like this is an interesting, I've never done anything like this where you have like a, a setup like, kind of like your own team in the game um so it was just like a really really smart way of doing things it was really easy to do that because again like it wasn't like a ton of people early on so i was able to quickly go do that and get my blaster checked and, and kind of head out so um i also sold some patches and stickers and stuff so that was that was really cool that yeah, i got some interactions with that as well at FoamCon. but it was kind of just a chill of it um you know it was like pretty pretty fun we went to dinner after and just kind of like you know because there was no end war usually end war starts after foam Con, but this year you know it was a separate day so it made like the whole day for foam Con was just really chill um so it was like i felt like that was a good introduction to like ramp up and get ready for the next two days of events um but yeah i don't i don't really think there's anything else i have so yeah, I just want to say I thought uh, just in contrast to last year's FoamCon uh, that this one was definitely a more intimate engagement, which I thought was a very nice uh, change of pace for once. Um, and it was mm -hmm. kind of like what you were saying that, you know, you could go there and not be rushed and really engage and talk to all the vendors and and drac was extremely accessible i ended up getting uh probably um you know a 15 minute long interview with him just discussing the events i i, I did it last year but this one was a uh, a much more extended and detailed interview which i really enjoyed getting nice and I'll, I'll be putting that video out uh soon well actually one of the caveats is that i uh, ended up leaving my end war footage uh, I swapped it out, my SD card, because uh, I ran out of space uh, during Foam Pro Tour. And I switched out my SD card, put it in a friend's uh, 
card holder and I forgot to take it back. So I'm waiting ah. for that footage to be done. I know, okay. I know. At least you didn't um, like so overwrite. That's that. why I was worried when you were talking no, about that. No. I was like, okay. No, I, I have really bad luck with SD cards at large scale events at UMBC's mm. uh, HVZ. Not this year, but last year's. It was final mission and uh, I was in the, uh, I, I was a human and I was running away from zombies and my SD card popped out in the middle of the road and I basically had to get on my hands and knees for about 15 minutes, uh, along with probably like 10 other zombies that were about to tag me. Uh, thank goodness they were good sports oh, about wow. it and, uh, and helped me out and ended up finding the card. Uh, and they gave me, you know, a 10 second uh, head start and we resumed gameplay. But yeah, I have really bad luck with that. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, the, the UNCC uh, campus is absolutely gorgeous uh so mm -hmm. uh if you ever get a chance to uh to go there definitely check it out but the the foam con was a fun engagement you could really interact with everyone and take your time and yeah. look at things because uh, it was who was there it was blaster core was there uh yep. you were there of course uh like you said legacy ba uh, legacy blasters was there uh containment crew silver fox and then the uh, Orca company and Beef Squad had yeah they a had table an area too, where, and they were selling yeah. blasters and for crazy prices actually they like they were selling Griffins for like 120 bucks 130 bucks hmm. uh, oh wow yeah it was it was very tempting um, and I I told myself I wasn't gonna get anything just just have some discipline and then uh, yeah. Charles Charles from Containment Crew. Whipped out the full auto nightingales, and I was like, <laughs> "Fine, here's my money." And uh, yeah. I, I'm glad I, I, I'm glad I did because he ended up selling out uh, uh, at oh, some nice. point. So I'm glad I was able Ooh. to get one. Uh, but I ended up using that blaster for HVZ, and it was fantastic uh, for End War. That's awesome. It was great. So, yeah, I really kind of enjoyed this End War uh, or uh, foam, I really enjoyed this FoamCon this year, uh, just for the more uh, intimate engagement and pace of everything, uh, even though we didn't have uh, as many attendees as as FoamCon normally would. And my thing too, because I'm not gonna like say any grand statement about it, but based on how people felt about the entire event, how the moderating team felt about it, and how Drac felt about it, like there is a high possibility that it could be back at the same campus next year. Um, everyone kind of behaved well. It was like, it was like, honestly, I mean, like I would rather have all this with like double the amount of people, but because it was so small and intimate, like it was just really easy to like maintain really easy to make sure everything was going smoothly. So I'm sure like campus and like UNCC, like administration probably felt like really good about it. So if it comes back next year, my big thing too, is that the way they set up that venue, it would have been so smooth regardless of if it had. 20 people there or like 200 because like it's scalable yeah because because uh and i'm not gonna say like any other hvz or foam con or whatever i've done is like worse or better than this but like at foam con last year the the big thing that i remember was that like the sign up table for nwar was in the same venue that foam con was because it was just like that's how it's just that's that's kind of you know with the campus and the size that's how it went yeah so there was like a long line of people trying to get their blasters chronographed while other people were trying to like go around foam con and it was like blocking tables because you had this line there and it was like you know where's the line start all that was on a completely different floor for this venue so it's like all that could have been done 
in a different area and then Foamcom would have been like you know left alone and people could still like roam the floor and it, you know it, it, there wouldn't be that confusion going on so like it, I think I think if they have more people because I mean like if people talk people have been talking well about this event you could see double the amount of people even triple coming next year right. if that happens I think it'll yep. still work just well and like the moderation team was on top of their game they they, they seemed really you know welcome to it and then I think like a uh I think like the people working on campus liked it because I remember I, w- I was buying some stuff really? from from the table of Drac like that Drac had set up because I've never actually bought any of his gear even though I've known him for like twelve years so I bought a ch- <laughs> this logo they had this year was actually really really cool I actually enjoyed it so I got a T-shirt I got some patches and they were like yeah there was like a custodian who came by and bought a shirt he was like really into it and I was like oh that's cool like they seemed That's like they awesome. were like really you know because there was like construction going on at the same time and like people were obviously are working on campus um so it seemed like everyone was really happy that it was going on that day so um and I never I mean like it, and talking in the future a little bit here but like I didn't hear about anything from campus having any issues about any later events either so it seemed like as far as that goes they kept it they held it down and it seemed like a great time but um yeah, I don't know if there's yeah. is there anything else you have about FoamCon before we, I guess, move on to the next day? Yeah, uh, I just want to piggyback off of what you were saying. Uh, well, a couple things is, um, you know, the only thing is I, I think with not being able to fire blasters would be kind of something to think about for next year. Yeah. Uh, but I think if they told people in advance that was the situation – um, it would be fine, honestly, uh, and people yeah. wouldn't have an issue. Yeah. I, th- I, I think the main issue was that we didn't know until we got there, uh, and it wasn't actually decided until we got there, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. So, But again, if you kind of prepare people for that kind of situation, um, I, I'm sure they would be, be fine with it. And again, everyone had a fun time there, uh, from what I could tell. Um, I ended yeah. up being in Aphrodite, I think was my group uh, because okay. some of my friends had joined that group. Uh, but yeah, there were things about the whole registration process, like you were saying with the card, uh, with the emergency contact. And they also had uh, check boxes, um, three check boxes. And if you got three checks, <laughs> three strikes, you're out. That means you yeah. were a re- repeat offender. But, uh, you know, things like that. Attention to detail, I really think, go a long way and show that they really kind of thought things out and, um, you know, wanted to provide a fun experience for everyone. So um, uh, Boom and I are organizers for the Maryland Mayhem event. Uh, so I would love to see if we could implement something like that um, when we yeah. when we do it again. Um, yeah, and that's, I mean, that was the big thing for me is like, once I kind of understood who the moderators were and started to know them better, like the main three were have already graduated they they have moved on they're like full-grown adults that came back to run this event and i think it was like rogers wormy and i can't remember the last person's name was like the three kind of like mainly running it and i think i don't know like they're like in my mind in my opinion like you can be an adult and go to college and be like in your 20s and something and like be like know what you're doing but i think there's like a totally different level when you're like you're married you have kids you like pay like a mortgage and you're that type of adult for sure and like when you run something like this you have a totally different perspective on like safety and protocol and how to make sure everyone has a good time and they were just on those three specifically and i mean all the other moderators did a good job but like i think they took a lot of like knowledge on just like being adults and being like how should we make sure like 
other adults, teenagers, kids, like how are they all going to be safe and have a good time? And you could just see like a level of like maturity from them that I, I appreciated. And and the more I yeah. interacted with them during the weekend, I was like, yeah, like obviously you can't control who moderates every time, but I like that there was like real adults like being involved in making decisions for yeah. things. Yeah, I think Tali was the other, uh, I think she was the vice president of the club who ended up having yeah. to step up and take things over. Uh, but I believe she may be a student um so but so. they all did a fantastic job extremely friendly extremely approachable and uh, accessible and they answered any questions that you had and you could tell they were really enthusiastic um and happy to be doing what they were doing i, I don't think i ever saw them get uh super upset or super stressed out um you know when they needed to call something to attention they did it diplomatically and uh and again i think everyone had a uh, had a fun time nice now now before we move into the next day which would be actually be end where i do have a question for both of you what is one thing at phone con that you wish you could have bought <laughs> everything <laughs> there was a lot of good stuff <laughs> Uh, well, for me, uh, like I said, I wasn't planning to buy anything, and I ended up with a, uh, a, a full auto nightingale, which, which I'm not sorry about. Um, and then immediately after, I realized that uh, containment crew also had Harriers there, which I've been having my eyes oh. on. Yeah, and, I, and I, <laughs> I was this close to getting it. I was like, nah, I, I had some discipline. I was like... Uh, I, I'll, uh, I won't get anything, uh, I, I won't get a Harrier, uh, but yeah, I definitely wanted to get a Harrier, um, and I probably would have if I was there for 15 minutes longer, um, so it was definitely- You would have given in. <laughs> and then, uh, those Legacy Blasters were fantastic, um, I know one of the Orca company players, um, who, it was Junior, who actually ended up playing with B-Squad this year, uh, but Junior got one of those blasters, and he told me it was 800 bucks. Um, oh, so yeah. I'm, what? Yeah, it was 800 bucks, yeah. so I'm glad I did not get one of those, um, <laughs> but I would have loved to have gotten one. Um, yeah. And then Silver Fox had a bunch of really cool stuff, you know, they do the, uh, the water, uh, the water bottles with the laser engraving and they had end war right. and silver fox on it uh they did one for us for maryland mayhem uh so those were really cool and they had t-shirts there and uh, i think they had a, they do this thing where they sell their b part blasters or whatever for right. relatively grades mm. yeah exactly Fox so there was ups, a, i think they call them yeah so there was Fox a bunch stuff. of those yeah um and then um uh, and then, like I said, the Orca Company and Beef Squad had a full table of like $120, $130 Griffins and Quicks and, and really fun stuff. But yeah, it required a lot of discipline on my part not to, uh, <laughs> to get anything yeah. additionally for the night. Something tells me if I was there, it would have been like, Doctor, turn off my wallet inhibitors. <laughs> yeah, dude, I mean, I spent like, I bought like eight patches. Which is not, I mean, it's not like it's super expensive, but I just, I just got so much merch from different people. It was, it was, I had a yeah, good time. stickers, stickers and patches are the jam. Yeah, for the, sure. The dark jam. For sure. We just need some <laughs> dark jam patches and then we'll be solid. A lot yeah. of people, a lot of people were handing out stickers and, and patches. So that helped out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just get them out there. 
Spud, did you hear my question? No, I, I was out. Uh, the, okay, so what's one thing that you wish you could have gotten at PhoneCon? Oh, one thing I wish I could have gotten at PhoneCon was obviously the Outlaw, because I was like super pumped to see that. <laughs> that thing was crazy. Yeah. I've been like, I've, I've been, I had a revolver homemade build in like, like cans not i wouldn't say can but i haven't been working on it for like a year and a half now and i was always like oh man like this could be really cool if i can like figure out how to get this thing to work well and it's cool that like they have theirs done and it's for 30 dollars, and it's like scalable because they have a, a spring you can buy on their website to make it kind of like more hvz like level and then you or you yeah, keep the original one cool. in and keep it like what 130 fps like which is which it's stock i was like dude this thing is like nuts it was such a cool and then there's like so much engineering i want to see in terms of the internals because like the spring is in like a totally different place i thought it was going to be um so i wish i could buy that but i think that's releasing in a month yeah plus they've got the metal hammer right yeah it's got a metal hammer it's like die cast like since um, since when have you seen that i think like what was it the sentinel that had like the the metal um the metal yeah. lever yeah old old busby blasters like the yep. sentinel and the rapid fire tech i think which is kind of like a derivative of the sentinel had the metal prime but like this felt like a lot more legitimate because like yeah so the grip um, actually fit your hand the grip fit my hand but also like they <laughs> didn't paint it which like means that they're like comfortable with people looking at that raw metal and you know like when like a brand like powder coats that metal that metal must be like really ugly on on the inside because it's you know they can make really cheap yeah. metal parts as long as they paint it's it like and they were like and, yeah mm. yeah and this was like truly like you know like the fabrication on that metal was a lot was really really clean um i mean like that was kind yeah, of like that was it for sure obviously like i, I would have loved to have like a legacy blaster from from my friend but like yeah, the, like the prices are are, are nuts, but they're kind of like they're kind of art pieces in a way too because they're so Absolutely. nice. Like if yeah. you look at them in person, it's like unreal how nice those are. Um, so like he puts like so many. I think he puts like well over like thirty hours into each of them. At least like because he used to sell them back in the day, and he would it was like he, he had to sell them for more because he was like losing money on each of those based on the hours he put in, but. When you're a kid, Oof. that's one thing. Oh, when you're an adult with like a, you know, you have, you know, this is your side hustle. You're married. You have an apartment. Like you gotta, you gotta pay for what you're worth when you're doing that. So I, I completely understand from his perspective. But I think he sold a couple of them, which is nice. Um, but yeah, that was. I think that was definitely the the two of mine for sure. Well, the outlaw will be available on store shelves at the end of the month, so you won't have to wait long. I'm excited. I'm gonna get two of them. That's exciting. Might actually buy this. This this has been the year where I've actually been buying blasters again. It's crazy. Yeah. I haven't bought blasters in such a long time. And then this year, I bought like three. I bought the X Shot Long Shot Pro. Yep. I bought the TMNT Sweet Revenge, and I'm definitely going to be getting an Outlaw. So nice. It, it's like I said. It, it, you know me. Like I all 3D printed. So all my stuff is 3D printed. So it's it's surprising to see so many off-the-shelf blasters that I've actually been buying lately. Nice. I did uh, have an agreement with uh, with Derek at Dart Zone. Of course, uh, I, I'm looking for any opportunity to get uh, my hands on uh, unreleased blasters from them. But he said <laughs> if any of the blasters broke, quote-unquote, I, I, I could uh, have dibs on them. But unfortunately, Ooh. none of them broke. <laughs> he, he probably knew that. Which is a good he, thing. He knew the quality was so good that, yeah, he could, yeah. Uh, he could keep keep that promise that's funny <laughs> yeah they, they all somehow disappeared um, in a uh, boating accident 
<laughs> uh, but let's, anyways, let's get on to uh, more exciting uh, stories. Let's hear about Endor itself, the yeah. actual day, the main event. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll kind of open that up because I when I got there, I I didn't know which really what room to go into because in, normally with Endor, like in the past, there's been like a main staging area where everyone can kind of like pile into, and last year it was like a it was like kind of an auditorium of sorts like a classroom you know it had a lot of seating and everything so that worked well and this because it was in the same building that foamcom was they had they had us all going to the second floor and not the ballroom um and the second floor was a lot of like study rooms so it could fit probably like 30 maybe like more like 20 25 people in each and they had like some of them had chairs some of them were more open um so I went into one that had a lot of people from like the SCNC, which, uh, you know, is kind of like people I know from my area around Georgia. But my teammates I was going to play with who I've played with in the past, they're from the UMBC or UMBC area. They go to school there. So like they weren't there. So I, I, I saw multiple rooms and everyone was kind of piling into wherever they needed to go because, again, we got these pins and you needed to kind of group up with the people who had your pins or at least it was a good idea to do so. So I grouped up with all the people who were in the Hephaestus Greek God group. Um, and we kind of found out that like each group that had a Greek God was also like could pair up with like two other gods. So like, I, I, I don't know how many they had. It might've been like To make 16. a super Voltron God. Yeah, it was, you know, we made like a triad or a triumvirate of, of like groups. So That's cool. that way it made like eight or 10 or 12 kind of like small groups and it was really easy to be like it what what i liked about it is you could group up with friends you knew so again i grouped up with people i knew from Hephaestus, but it caused us to group up with people from a zeus group and caused us to group up with people from an apollo group which we didn't know beforehand and now it was like oh we're not just like clicking up we're not just like factioning up with people we know but it forced us to group up with people we didn't know and i found that really fun because it was like a really easy way to be like oh you have to join us it's not like Hey, can I tag along with you guys? Oh, I don't know. We kind of have like a perfect group of like people, you know. So like it forced us to work with people we didn't know. And it turned mm -hmm. out like the guys from Zeus, um, at least the three that I remember was like got so it was like uh, people they were named Matthew, Spinny, or Spencer, and John, and they were all UN they're all uh UNCC students. Two of them were moderators in other events, like their local events. So like it ended up just being perfect because it was like, oh, we have people we're grouping up with who know the campus. I printed out a map before I even left Utah. So I had a whole map of That's campus. Smart. And like, which, yeah, that was one thing I wish I did last year. And I made sure I did it this year. It's one thing I <laughs> wish like they do in general. I wish they just made like hundreds of printouts you could just give to people as they go to events. But, you know, it's whatever. Um, but like there was like, oh, this thing is at this location on the map. This thing is at this location. And I just gave one of them a pen and they're like, yep, yep. Marking that, marking that, marking that. We need to go here. We need to go here. And I was like, cool. Like y'all know what you're doing. I'm just going <laughs> to help our group, like get along with your group. And like the Apollo people, like they're just like, hey, we're just tagging along. And I'm like, sounds good. We all know what we're supposed to do. Cool. We know where we're supposed to go. Cool. Let's let's get out of here. So I was like really pumped because I felt like we had like a really, really smart group going um, and heading out. And um, what I also liked is that this year, a moderator came into each room and physically told us the rules for each mission. So they had a printout and they like literally said on the printout, like, read this verbatim. Like, you can summarize this, like, whatever. These are bullet points. So it made it really easy to like know what we had, like they had to say and know what information we needed to know. 
And then like, so, you know, the moderator could be there to answer questions if we had them, which in years, in some years past, it's either like on a video on Facebook or you can't ask questions. Um, and then they just left the piece of paper in our room. So if we wanted to take screenshots of it, we could. Um, so it just made things really easy to understand what we were supposed to do, where we were supposed to go. Um, so I, and, and again, it wasn't like sometimes with nerfers, especially it can be like hurting cats to like get everyone to be quiet, to like <laughs> listen to rules. And when you have like 20 people per room, instead of like a hundred people in a whole like venue hall, it makes it a lot easier to like get information out quickly so we can get the missions going. Um, I think it started like 30 minutes late or so, which was good because I got there like 15 minutes before the mission was supposed to start. And I like left my GoPros in the car. So I had to sprint back to the car to get those and then sprint back. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm about to like puke because I, I like <laughs> we had some beers the night before and it wasn't like I was oh, like God. over or anything, but it was just like I did not prepare properly. And I had a camel back and I was just like I was just drinking. I was like chugging that before the event even started. Um, but yeah, I mean, the weather is one thing for sure. It was definitely humid uh, at the event, but um I don't know. I don't know how, how it was for you setting up, but I guess we can talk about, you know, how, how the setup was for you, and then we can go on to talking about mission one. Because I know sure, you were a yes. zombie to start, right? You were an, uh, like an original zombie? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, again, I was with Dart Zone, so we were supposed to help with check-in or chronographing, and we were supposed to set something up, uh, but it kind of evolved into we just didn't need to. Um, so mm -hmm. we probably got there around eight o'clock and, uh, I think everyone, the, the staging area was outside originally along with registration, uh, because the building oh, wow. wasn't open up to the public yet. Um, and then eventually they let everyone in, um, which was great because I, I remember last year, I don't know if there was an official staging area where people could leave their blasters and, uh, not for mission one. I think, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right. So, so that was nice uh, that we were allowed to have our gear inside in those rooms that you said that we were split up into. Um, I was, uh, I, I chose Aphrodite, like I said, uh, so I could play with RJ, Bree, and uh, and the and Orca and Beef Squad, and uh, the Wisconsin nice. guys. I think, and I forget mm. who the other uh, gods were in our group. I didn't wasn't paying too much close attention to that, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I, I, I did my registration the day before, but I ended up chronographing uh, the, on, on Saturday, uh, and they had us chronograph across the street uh, in that courtyard, or what they called the kill box. Uh, which, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so that's where hmm. everyone did their chronographing uh, in the morning, uh, and that went all smooth. Um, Took a bunch of photos while I could, uh, which you can probably see on the Facebook page or wherever I ended up sharing them. Um, and then mm -hmm. as we were getting ready to start, uh, they had told us there was uh, only four starting zombies to begin with. So, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Geez. Originally, there was four zombies. I think it yeah. was two mods and... Uh, Derek, who volunteered from Dart Zone, which was really funny, and uh, hmm. David, who is the president of UMBC HVZ's club. Uh, so okay. they had asked, they had asked for volunteers to basically, essentially join a, a troll squad to begin with. Uh, so right. they asked uh, one person from each group to join. 
Um, and then they came back again. So one person from our group ended up joining and then they came back again and asked if anyone else wanted to. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? Because I, I have a habit of, not to toot my own horn, but I have a, a habit of surviving for pretty much to the final stand, final missions for, for these HCZ yeah. events. So I, I thought it I feel would... like there needs to be an asterisk next to that <laughs> statement, just putting that out there. Um, you elaborate. So... <laughs> it's debatable. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's easier to survive when you don't play all the missions. Just gonna put that out there. Um, I know what that's I, like. I usually do, uh, but uh, yeah, there's been <laughs> occasions where where I magically appear for the final final mission, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So they they were asking for Troll Squad, and I was like, yeah, this this would be a great opportunity to uh, to be a zombie and actually get some footage. I was running uh, my DJ uh, Osmo action cam. Um, oh, nice. So I I wanted some content uh, as a zombie, so I volunteered uh, to the disappointment of my squad, uh, but I was fine. <laughs> betraying them it felt, <laughs> it felt good inside um, yeah i will say i will say um at pennsylvania survival fest they did a very clever thing um which is again something maybe we want to consider uh when we do our events for maryland uh but they uh they basically had five groups at pennsylvania survival survival fest uh based on difficulty level so if you were a, right. a complete noob you would go into group one and if you were a complete vet you would go into group five, and then everywhere in between was just kind of in the middle. Uh, but they ended up turning group five into a troll squad just to have numbers and get ah, the numbers up. Uh, nice. But they also told them not to go after group one right. just to give them a scare, uh, you know, cool. and not to tag anyone, but engage, but don't actually tag anyone, which I thought was a Observe, really smart idea. Because if you've never yeah. played HVZ before, yeah. and you drive 12 hours to get there, and you spent months on your loadout, and you end up getting tagged out in the first five, By some minutes. person in a ghillie suit who's been hanging there for the past three weeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, if you end up getting tagged out in the first five, ten minutes, you're going to be salty, uh, which, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, which has happened before. So I thought that was a great, uh, great idea. Uh, so I had forgot about that and i ended uh, up going pretty hard as a zombie oh no. and uh You're i ended a shield up zombie getting too right so i started out as a spitter or uh, a horde oh. thrower <laughs> um and for some reason i have it in my mind because i play competitive sports i play basketball in college and everything uh i have the in my mind that i'm a lot better than i really am and as, <laughs> as i was throwing the balls and not hitting anyone i realized that i was terrible as a spitter so i ended up switching over to uh to a shield but they gave oh, nice. the starting zombies shields uh balls and noodles um as perks just to get things going but the thing about the balls were they weren't uh if you got tagged by a ball you weren't usually you're stunned when that happens right or yep. murked or yep. whatever mm -hmm. you call it mm -hmm. uh but in usually this you have case, to like take a knee and then, and then either yep. I think you have to wait a certain amount of time, or some some events like they tap you, you like, know, like a human yeah. can tap you on the shoulder, and you can get back into it. But yeah. But in this case, if you got tagged by a ball, you were tagged and you were turned into a zombie. So yeah, it was hardcore. Um, Dang. Uh, but I tagged I absolutely no one <laughs> with the ball. So <laughs> I uh, 
I ended up switching to a shield. Rogers had a great tag on someone. He went onto a balcony, and there was a, a human group that was walking underneath, and he just dropped it oh on someone's God. head. We, we almost got tagged that way in a mission. That was insane. That's great. Like, it might have been. It was like a mission. Yeah, I think it could have been. And then from that point on, anytime we went under a bridge or an overhang, like we had to like, oh, check check above because like you know it was like a real threat. It made things really interesting. Yeah, it was a it was a really intense game mechanic, which I, I rather enjoyed. But would have enjoyed more if I could actually uh, throw the ball correctly and actually tag someone. <laughs> so uh, I did say, I, I mean, up- outs. Outside of Rogers, I did say at the end, I was like, I'm glad the spitters we faced couldn't throw very well because, like, we would be very worried about them. And then they would throw, and then the ball would, like, go, like, way left or something. And it was like, okay, well, all right, oh, yeah. let's keep focusing on the other We're side. We're saved. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think we ended up having, I want to say around close to 20 starting zombies after all was said and done. So it was a decent okay. size. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we followed the human groups around campus. We were really originally just going to guard the kill box because that's where the objective ended and just kind of guard that and force the humans to have to engage. Uh, but we ended up splitting up and following uh, the human groups around campus and eventually ended up back at the kill box. But once I got there, the human groups had already made their way and infiltrated inside of there. Uh, so they were kind of doing a hold uh, there, which was a lot of fun because there was a lot of engagement and the humans were mm. picking off zombies left and right. And uh, yeah. but I ended up I ended up getting like oh, about I definitely got a chain kill on like three or four people. I'm not sure if they took oh, their nice. tags or not. Uh, at least I, a couple I think of them I saw that. It. I have that on recording. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, but the it was like right for the zombie res- for the zombie respawn, it was basically a rolling respawn, two minutes on the even numbers. So, you know, two, uh, 102, 104, one of you know, 106, yep. and so on yep. and so on. And the uh-huh. only and the only condition was that you had to be out of line of sight of humans. So you could follow humans wherever they went. And then just go behind a pillar or a wall or something like that and then pop out. Yeah. Uh, so that's what so, I did. It was I crouched behind the wall uh, at that kill box. And then the humans started leaving the kill box and I just <laughs> started attacking them. Uh, which yeah, so was I think, great. I think that's then, why they call it kill box, right? Like, but I, yeah. I, I think it's important to discuss like, kind of the architecture there because it's like one open atrium in between two buildings and then there's a big stairwell like in the third location and then a street in the on the fourth side so it can like really be easy to get like cornered and then these two buildings on either side have these large pillars that go i think all the way up to like the second story so they're relatively large pillars and so it like it's really easy to just hide around like behind one of those pillars instead of having to like go around the whole building or something so it made zombies yeah. respawn very very quick in terms of like especially near the end of that game yeah, so that was a lot of fun being starting zombie. I probably got like five, six, seven tags on humans uh, turning them. And then, like I said, in hindsight, after it happened, I realized what I had done and felt extremely guilty about tagging out people <laughs> in the first mission <laughs> and wish I hadn't done it. But you live, you learn, yeah. and then you try to do better next time. So, but, For sure. Yeah. So I guess, that was my I guess mission one, go- basically. Yeah, like I think it's important also to discuss a little bit what mission one was too. So uh, each, so again we had we had gods that we were kind of like 
those were our deities that we wanted to respect or like pray to or, or praise or whatever. And I didn't mention this before, but in the registration, they also gave you a uh, a pipe cleaner that you had to grab three beads and put on that pipe cleaner and just like keep on you. It was like a way, I guess, to store these little beads. And for like, I think it was like a total, there was a total objective for all four missions. It wasn't just that one. But when we started, they said that each of those gods had a location on campus that was like their shrine or like their kind of like area that we pray to. And they had a little 3D printed, uh, I guess, a container for each of these gods, like kind of shaped in a logo. So like Zeus had like a lightning bolt little container. Uh, Hephaestus, which was ours, had like a anvil container, I think. And you would go to those and you would drop a bead in each of those. And that was like your, your uh, I guess, like praise or your, you know. Tribute. Um, your tributes. There you go. Thank you. Your offering. Perfect. To, to, to each of those. And that was like a whole, like, that went on the entire day. And I guess they didn't really explain what that was going to be. And I, I, I'm going to talk about kind of how that went at the end of, of when we talk about the end of End War. All right. This is Spud from the future editing. Uh I didn't actually go over uh, talking about that mission and critiquing it at all later in the episode. So I'll just put it in here. Um, as far as the beads and, and where to put those for the shrines, for, for the gods and, and everything, uh, it really wasn't a factor at all in the gameplay. Um, as the missions ended and, and as we got later into the day, we found out that it basically meant nothing. Uh, I think it was supposed to mean something. There was rumors that like it might mean something here and there, but I think it just got to the point where it was so hot that the mods didn't want to go around and actually check the beads and see who had the most or who had them or whatever. Um, so it just became kind of like a moot objective point, uh, which is kind of a bummer because I know people from our squad, specifically on the dinner break, went around and walked around campus when they could in between the missions and filled up beads for their their shrines um and it just yeah didn't mean anything so that was i guess a big issue in terms of gameplay mechanics for the day so that was like one side quest kind of thing which was cool and then the main objective for that is i think it was hera i think was the goddess that was like in charge of this thing and so like we were on like mount olympus right and uh, Hades was kind of like the main bad guy or like the main boss that we had to deal with and they had all of these like artifacts that were important to like different gods so like I, one of the things we found was Hephaestus's anvil it was like a real like mini anvil that was made out of metal and we found like uh uh what's his name um Hermes like flute or something that had like feathers on it and it was like a golden pipe there was like I remember seeing like, a Spartan helmet that someone found Ares, and you had to go probably. around campus and probably and find these artifacts and return them to the kill box because there would be a location where you had to bring these artifacts back to which ended up being like a, a hula hoop that was in the center of kill box that you had to deliver those artifacts that you found and you had to then guard them until the mission was over because then the zombies could go in and grab those artifacts and steal them. Because they couldn't steal them while you had them on your possession, but you, I don't think you could hide the artifacts. You had to at least have them visible if you had them on your person. And so the zombies could say, oh, they have an artifact, let's target that person. Because if they tagged you, you had to then drop that artifact where it was and then the zombies could take it. So it was like, it was kind of like a fetch mission where you had to then like guard someone 
who had the artifact, especially if it was like a big one, like uh, like the helmet was probably pretty hard to like carry around. Whereas the anvil was a little bit easier to carry. That was like, you know, hand sized. Um, I remember we were like looking around for some of these. I remember there was, there was um, someone, her name was uh, uh, Shinobi. And she was like scouting. She found like three of these within like the first 30 minutes. Whoa. I was like, yeah, I found these. And I was like, damn, all right. You know, and we found like Hermes flute like very randomly in a random location. We found Hephaestus's anvil in a random location. I think we found like all the artifacts, but they were like totally random. And I'm surprised that like groups found them because they weren't like super out in the open. There wasn't like a moderator nearby. We didn't have a location to go to like we did for these like shrines. Um, but I think it was like probably an hour and a half, or at least we went until lunchtime, which I think was like 1130 or 12 or something. And I think we started at 10, uh, cause we started late. Um, so that was like fun to kind of like walk around. It was like a really easy mission to like get to know your team and stuff because you had like a location you were supposed to go to and check that and continue moving on and stuff. So it was like the directives on that were pretty straightforward. Um, and then like, again, the kill box was really fun to end on because it was like a really good spot for the zombies to camp out at. Um, you know, it was really easy for them to get tags. The spitters then became something I had to like really worry about because like this open atrium that, you know, like was just basically a, a courtyard. Like if a spitter wanted to just like lob a ball in this like large group of humans, they could tag like at least one, if not multiple people, if the ball like bounced off you. So like anytime the spitter would respawn, I was like, watch the spitter. Let us know when they throw, because like, it wasn't just like, oh, you have to kneel. It was, you were out. I didn't really, I mean, some people thought it was like a little bit extreme and I could see that, but as someone who's played Edmore before, I liked the challenge. I don't know if I would have liked that to change for good, but like it was a fun change of pace. Yeah, like up the tension. For sure. Um, and the major thing that was different about this end war is that once a mission was over, you could still get tagged. So if you left a building, you could still get tagged by a zombie, like especially in between missions. So like on our lunch break, on our hour break between other missions. Like, you could get tagged if you left the building. You were still in play, as long as yeah. you were outside the building. Yeah, so you had to physically... There was so a 10-foot buffer zone at the door, basically. Yeah, so you had to right. touch the door and basically say, like, 10 feet, and then that's how you knew, okay, everyone, you know, this person can deband. They're no longer in play. They're going in the building. And then vice versa, like, if you left the building, you touch the door and say, like, 10 feet, now I'm in play. Uh, so the zombies can know like, you know, okay, this is now someone who's in play. We can tag them now or go after them. And so like, we were all done with the mission and people were like high-fiving each other. And then all of a sudden I like heard people like a zombie comes up for door. a high five and it's like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like that could have happened because the, the main staging area was across again, that, that road that was one of the, the sides of Killbox. It, it bordered it. It was adjacent to it. Um, mm -hmm. so like I saw all these people like rushing across the street to get to the union, the union, uh, uh, the student union. And I was like, Oh guys, we're not done. We're not done. We got to go. And so then my whole team was like, Oh shoot, we got to sprint and like get, you know, get across the, the, you know, the street as fast as possible. And then there were like people posted up on the other side of the street to give cover. It felt like really fun because it was like, yeah. you know, it was like, we thought we were safe and all of a sudden we weren't safe and we had to rush to make sure we got inside in time. But, um, that was like an interesting mechanic that that was that was different. Uh, again, like I'm not sure if I want that to always change, but it was it was fun to see something different thrown into the mix. Um, so mission one was pretty straightforward. I mean, there was some people got tagged. Again, I mentioned that I was I could have joined the SCNC crew, but they weren't there when I registered, so I didn't know what god they joined up with. So I joined up with some of my other friends. They got wiped out within like the first couple minutes. 
So I came back Whoa. and they were all zombies in like the beginning. And I was like, you, you guys are turned like, yeah, we got eliminated by like a spitter. And it was like, oh shoot. Like whole groups got like eliminated within like mission one, which I thought was like pretty intense. Um, and I was like, well, I gl I'm glad I didn't join you guys. Cause that would have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, um, it would, it would so, have been a repeat of uh boom at boom and Barrett at UMBC's invitational. Where oh they, yeah. Uh, I heard, <laughs> I, and I heard the zombies, they were crazy too, because my, my friends are from one. UMBC. <laughs> so they were like, oh yeah, zombies there are nuts. Um, yeah. So, so that was mission one. And then we had a lunch break and I was able to, you know, uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't end up leaving campus, but I was able to charge my, my GoPro and my DJI action three. So like, it was a good break, especially because it was like starting to get pretty hot. Like it was what, like 1130, but like the humidity and the heat was already climbing pretty hard. And that was only going to be like the start of the day. Um, and then we went right into mission two, which I think you then became a human, right? Because you were just helping with like the zombie crew and then you could choose to become a human after that first mission. So I assume, I think you were a human after that, right? Yeah, I joined that, uh, and specifically because, uh, like, uh, like I said, I was hanging out at the VIP dinner or get together, and the mods had told me, "Well, here's the thing: is I firmly believe in a good balance of game mechanics and uh, what we call flavor or theatrics." Um, okay. Yeah. And man. by theatrics, I mean like running, uh, running the theme. Uh, so, like, if you're UMBC was Scooby-Doo last year. So like dressing up as yeah. the characters <laughs> and having the missions and, you know, things like that, uh, which uh, Pennsylvania Survival Fest did an extremely great job at. They had an entire script. They had a video uh, uh, that they, they showed before the mission. And then that actually played. It was almost like being at a theme park where they have a video and then the actors like actually walk in before the ride. Yeah, oh, cool. And yeah, they yeah. walk in and play out a scene. So it was really cool. Um, so uh, I was really looking forward to um, to to uh, to to play a game with flavor. And they told me Mission Two had a lot of flavor and theatrics involved, which it did. Um, so I, I definitely wanted to play Mission Two uh, and did a and uh, played as human for that one. So that officially was my first mission as a human and uh how'd that go it was good um so i mean spud can talk about uh, i guess the uh, specifics of the game mechanics and the and the mission objectives but um let's see it was the maze mission the the labyrinth mission if i'm not mistaken mm. and there were three or four uh mods that were characters greek characters uh in the mythology uh and they each had special abilities uh but for the labyrinth you were only allowed to go in certain directions and you couldn't yep. you couldn't go downstairs you could only go upstairs and you kind of had to navigate throughout uh campus and collect uh these items which were letters on cloths that were supposed to spell out something eventually um yeah and that was basically the mission so we we walked around and tried to navigate i feel like it was a pretty good portion of the campus we ended up walking around <laughs> uh but we were being harassed by rogers who was the minotaur yeah um, we pretty did much too the entire time <laughs> 
uh, which was a lot yeah. of fun. And he did a great job. Again, I, I, it's just one of those situations where Ahmad is there to kind of keep everyone on pace, not necessarily to try to tag you, but just to keep you going. Uh, but just like that, herd you along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And give that illusion that you could be in trouble or whatever. But I thought that was a great, um, uh, a great mission. Um, and then we eventually ended up in a courtyard for kind of a hold while we, while we uh, figured out the, the, the words for the yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, because that, that maze was a really cool idea. And it wasn't like all of campus. It was like the kill box area, and like, which again is near central campus and some of the buildings around there. So if you left the maze, you didn't have to abide by, I, th I think you were supposed to still abide by like most of the rules there. So you couldn't, you couldn't go downstairs anywhere. And I think like anytime you pass the building, you couldn't turn around. That was kind of like a rule, but like the maze area proper was the only area that I remember that had like cones properly laid out and arrows that were like, once you go past here, you can't turn around. And what made that difficult too is uh, zombies could go any direction. I think they could go upstairs. They could go downstairs. They could definitely go on either side of these like portals. Is kind of what they called them. So if you were a bunch of if you were a bunch of humans, and you were like running from zombies, and there was this line on the ground, and you passed that, you couldn't shoot behind you because there was that portal like that was a defense. But as soon as the zombies went through the portal, they could tag you. So it, like kind of gave them a level of uh, defense that. We like there are there are multiple times where like zombies were chasing us and our, our locals were like, no, let's not go past this because we can't shoot behind us once we pass this border. And I was like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, that's smart. Um, and they were like, now you're thinking with portals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Um, and you could like go up and down hills. So there were times where like there was a hill near a stairwell and we went up and down that because it technically wasn't like a part of the rule set. As long as we went the same direction and we didn't turn around, it was fine. Um, right. And that one, yeah, so, so as, as Dirty was mentioning, there was the Minotaur, which is Rogers, and he was he was the one in our area mostly giving us the rules for each mission. So he, like, came to our room with, like, a funny hat on and, like, horns, and he was like, that's why I'm wearing this. Um, and then I think there was, like, a Medusa type of person that had foam noodles, like, uh, like kind of in, a, like, almost like a corset, like, around their body. Like, it was, like, duct tape. It was noodle it, it was arachne. Like... Arachne. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And they had they had a stuffed animal on a stick, so it was like it was like a fishing rod basically, and they could fling the stuffed animal at at humans, and if they touched you, you were get, you would get tagged. <laughs> and then there was the third one. I don't remember if she had anything on their person, but they had a a hamper full of stuffed animals that they would like chuck at people. So they would like unload those at people, and if those tagged you, you were out. Um, and when the mission started, he's again, Rogers was our moderator that was like giving us the information. He kind of started once we left the building. So he followed us for like the first 15 minutes or so. And then he went for another group, which I imagine was probably your group. Um, and kind of we didn't have to deal with him after that. But there were a couple times where he kept messing with us during that. Uh, as far as I know, I know the other special zombies were in other parts of campus. But by like halfway to maybe the end... They were all like in that final location, that final courtyard, kind of like roaming around and like you know trying to tag anyone because it was a big courtyard. Um, and that courtyard had Drac was there, and he was the main moderator that would check. Again, like you said, you had these letters on a on a, a piece of like bandana or something, um, and we had to we had to solve what those words meant, and he was the one checking if we got it, and then if 
you know, once we got it, we could finish the mission. Um, that area was really interesting because I remember when we got there, we were like the first group to get there. And Drac was just like, oh, you know, nice to see people. Like, uh, you know, we can do some of this in the shade because, you know, there's not a lot of people here and whatever. And um, well, I would say maybe we were the second group there. The first group was like a, a big group of, uh, of humans that were like, hey, we're guarding this area because we know this is like a central location for a lot of the mission. We're going to guard you guys. Like, we'll, we'll let you know when the, the zone is clear. <laughs> and I just thought at the time it was funny because there was only like seven to ten of us. And I was like, okay, like. Thanks for guarding us, but like you know, there's no one here yet. You know, like we, there was no zombies there yet or anything. Because again, we had, we had, we had humans with us who knew the campus so well. Like we went straight to it. Um, but then at a certain point, we left when like other human groups came, and we went to look for more more uh, letters. Um, we ended up finding Eric from Detroit Dart Talk, who ended up having a letter. So we kind of escorted him back. And when we came back, it was a madhouse at that point. They were like zombies inside the courtyard that like people were keeping at watch. Again, the special infected were there, so like we were they were keeping a watch on them. But this courtyard had these like major like overpasses. Like it, we went like under a building, and it had you know like it was like a tunnel. And I just remember there were like people like propped up at the end of the tunnel, like watching the tunnel. Like and they were like, "Oh, you're clear, you can go." And I'm like, "Man, this feels like we're in like." a war movie like where this is like you know the the green zone and we're like heading heading to you know like the safe zone where, where all the other humans are are protecting us it felt like really it felt very uh i don't know like uh like like cinematic i guess uh but at that point it was so hot that when we returned there was like maybe 20 minutes left in the mission and we were like we're just gonna chill like it, it was so hot and luckily like 10 minutes later the humans that had these letters that were trying to decipher the code ended up figuring it out. And um, we we then, you know, finished the mission, but we still had to walk like the entire length of campus to get back to student union to uh, D bands and everything. So that was like a pretty tough walk back. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you had, I missed like the beginning of that. So I don't know what you said or what you didn't say, but if you have anything else you want to say about that, like what you liked or what you didn't like. Um, yes, for sure. Uh, so yeah, so for me, uh, so our group went around campus and we were being harassed by Rogers. At some point, we had to check in uh, and grab those letters. Uh, you had to do a hold, I guess, for for a minute or so, and then yes, you would receive yes. the letters. Um, so we did a hold. Yeah, yeah, there was a moderator that gave it yeah. to you, yeah. So we did a hold, and I was given the letter, and I put it into my dump pouch, um, and uh, I was supposed to hold on to it. So we get to that courtyard hold where Drac is and everyone's trying to solve the, the words. Uh, and I'm looking for the letters and searching oh, no. my dump pouch. They're like, they're like, Andrew, you have the, uh, do you have the, uh, do you have the letter? And I started searching for it and I was digging through and I was digging through and, and, and I couldn't find it. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I didn't say anything. Um, Yikes. Uh, but they, <laughs> but they were able to uh, solve it regardless. But when I got home <laughs> after end war and I was emptying out my dump pouch, it was at the very bottom. Oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so so I have that as a momentum from end war and my. Uh, That's my... cool, actually. Yeah. Cool little keepsake. And then I will say that uh, the end of mission going back to student union was actually a really intense experience for myself uh, because I ended up getting lost. I went a different way. Like I, I guess the group, oh wow, I guess the, uh, the the rest of the group 
navigated through the woods or something like that. And I was like, I'm just going to mm -hmm. go around on the main street or whatever. And I ended up somewhere I had no idea where I was. Ended up having to ask someone, where's the student union? And they kindly <laughs> directed me in the uh, proper direction. But once I got to the student union, there was like, you know, 30, 30 some odd zombies standing guarding the door. And like you said, oh, shoot, the game's not over <laughs> until, until, yeah. you, uh, until you get get to the door. So I had to blast my way uh, through and uh, and and get into uh, to the building. So I ended up having a uh, almost a final stand and a glorious death at that moment, which was really intense. And I was happy that I survived that encounter that's cool uh yeah and then we got our lunch break or uh, another break after that yeah yeah i know cause that was kind of similar i i think i know what you're talking about because like there was a large group of humans that were like all right we're gonna head back in like one group and because we had locals they were like this way's faster so we went with them and we ended up getting to the student union before like anyone was there there was like no zombies no humans there so it, it was like it ended up being like really easy for us to head in and I imagine like 10 minutes later, it was probably like a madhouse. So I'm glad we we avoided that. Um, yeah, I mean, that was like a pretty straightforward mission in terms of like the rules and like what you had to do as far as like finishing the mission. But there was so much chaos with that that maze that it was like a really, really fun time. I think a lot of people had fun with that mission. Yeah, no, I love the way that I, I want to do that again. Like the way it was like, no, you can't you can't go back. Like you have to find another way to get to that location now because you've already, you know, you've already gone past a certain point. It was really cool. Um, so I guess we'll go on to mission three, right? So mission three was uh, the the it was like an escort mission, right? We had to escort a moderator. So I'll be honest. I ended up I ended up sitting out mission three. Uh, oh. A because I know uh, A because that's what I do sometimes. Um, yeah. B it was extremely <laughs> hot and humid. I think it was oh, yeah. like a hundred and ten heat index. It was probably closer to like ninety five degrees uh, outside. Yeah. Uh, but it felt like 110. Uh, and I also wanted to get content and go around and grab B-roll footage, uh, which nice. ended up not working out very well because, again, I kind of got lost. I couldn't find any humans. Uh, I, there was a, someone that was taking photos that I found, and uh, we ended up walking the campus trying to find the humans and zombie groups and just basically didn't find anyone and ended up returning back to stu student union at some point. And we did find some zombies there, but I think a lot of people ended up sitting mission three out. Um, yeah. As a result of the, yeah. of, of the weather. So I think, I think I remember that one being tough because we had like an hour break or whatever. And I got to the student union. And by the time we got there, the, there was a convenience store that had opened up within the student union. And it was perfect time for a lot of people to get like snacks or more water or some fruit because there had already been concerns about um, there were some people who already got like Charlie horses and stuff. So it was like, hey, like the moderators actually came to our room and told us, like, if you can get your potassium bump or something, you know, make sure to keep, you know, watch your health and everything. So but the person I went down to go get like more water and stuff. And the person running that convenience store took a lunch break until two thirty which is when the mission was supposed to start. And it was like, oh, son, come on, you know? And he put a sign on the door. Like, he was, like, closing the door when I got there. And he's like, yeah, I'm on lunch break. And I remember, like, he 
it was like 2.30, and the mission started an extra 30 minutes after that. Like, it got delayed a little bit. So it was like, okay, perfect. We'll go down there. And there was like 20 people at the door waiting, and this guy still hadn't opened up. And I was like, where is he? And I could see his little feet behind. There was there was like a, a break room in the back, and I could see his feet. I was like, oh, that guy. I started, I knocked on the door a little bit, and he finally opened it up. And so we got, we got like snacks and everything that we needed, which was nice. Um, and I want to say we started at like 2.30 or 3 o'clock because like, Everyone was so wiped out that like the moderators needed a break, and it was just like, eh, we'll just give everyone kind of a, an extra kind of couple minutes or so. Um, but that mission, and I think they gave everyone a break too, because that mission re- required a lot of moderators having to to move around a lot because again, it was like an escort mission. Um, and I think it was like I don't know what their role was if they were like gods or demigods or something, but like all the moderators, from what I saw, at least our moderator and and another one, had like. You know, the, the toga cloth and everything, or at least our moderator had a tablecloth, I think, as his, as his yep. you know, little thing. Um, and they had this kickboard, and on that kickboard had these riddles, and the riddles led to different places on campus. So if you could solve the riddle, it would bring you to a location, and you had to bring that moderator with you. And when you got to that location, if you're like, hey, is this the location where you were supposed to go to? They would either say yes, which then you could do the next riddle, or no, and then you still had to find the location. So there wasn't like... There wasn't like anything on the ground or anything you had to go to. It was like you just had to bring them to the right spot. Um, and the problem, the main issue with this mission that I remember was that like there was a point in the riddles where you had to switch because they had these like kickboards that had all the riddles on it. You had to bring your moderator to a certain location, and another team had to bring their moderator to the same location. And you had to switch kickboards, and then you had a different set of riddles to finish at to to. To finish the mission and you had to go through all these riddles and once you did that you were done um so we found that location very quickly because again we like had people who knew the campus very well we did like the first two riddles and we were on to our third and we late we waited at this location for like 30 minutes 45 minutes hoping that a a, a team would come by and they never did and it was like well we don't want to leave because they might show up and then if we're not here, then they can't finish it. So we had to like kind of camp the location out. But the longer we camped it out, the more zombies were like, hey, they're trying to get this location. They're waiting for their team and their team's not here. Let's go after them. And so it became a point where it was like, well, if we continue to stay here any longer, we're going to be sitting ducks and they're, you know, all the zombies are going to, they know we're waiting. So they know we're not going to leave here. So it became a point where we had to just give up on that spot and, and, and kind of move about. Um, because kind of what I heard is it was almost like, unfortunate that all the slow groups got a mod and all the fast groups got a mod but all the slow groups and the fast groups had to switch kickboards so it ended up like all the a lot of groups ended up getting tagged out like they got wiped i know one group got wiped during that and another group that had our moderator half of them got wiped out and the others were like all right well, we're just gonna leave we have to evacuate this area and they left their moderator behind yep. which is why we never saw the moderator they, they were just like waiting on campus somewhere and so we were at the point where we were like trying to talk to our moderator. It was like, what do we do? Do we wait? Or can you bring the, mo- the moderator we need to us? Can you tell us where they are so we at least know where to go? Because it was like we had to find this moderator, bring them as well, bring them back to that location, switch kickboards, and then bring our first moderator with us to the end of the mission. And it was like, he was like, I don't know. I'll find out. And so he was like messaging their group and everything. And uh, like... It took them like 30 minutes to find that information, so we were waiting, and it just became to the point where we were like, it's too hot, let's just wait in the student union and until he finds out what he needs so we can finish this mission. 
So we went there and we couldn't leave our moderator because our moderator wasn't allowed to go into the student union. So we were like, all right, well, we'll just leave you at the doorway. And I, I don't know if you remember, there was like a set of doors that go into the student union. And then there was like maybe six or eight feet and then another set of doors. So we're like, all right, we'll just wait in this little atrium area and get some AC. And like half of our group can go inside and get, you know, like cool off and then we'll switch. So like half of our group is near the moderator. The other half of our group, you know, can, can do that. Um, and then the zombies were like, all right, well, we'll just camp out this doorway. So like once you guys find out your information, as soon as you leave, we'll just tag you all. Because we technically weren't in... We weren't in plagues. We touched again. We touched the doorway and said ten feet. So we were out of play at the time, and it was just like, well, what are we gonna do? We like as soon as we spawn back in, they're just gonna tag us all because there was like twenty five zombies just like waiting for us specifically, because a lot of those zombies had already tagged out a bunch of other people, and so we were like, let's just let's just take a break. <laughs> we just <laughs> took a break. Left our moderator because again, like. About, it was like 10 minutes before we were like, if we don't know what's going to happen in 15 minutes, we'll just call it quits. And by like 10 minutes into that, the other moderator finally like was like, all right, well, I'll just go back to the student union and you can transport the both of us. And we were like, all right, well, let's try it. Let's move. Let's try to get the both of these moderators to go with us. And we got around like the halfway around the student union and people were just like going crazy after us. And we were like... Uh, let's let's go back into the student union. Let's go back in. So we went around the back door, left the moderators where they were, and was like, let's just have a let's just have a long dinner. So we went to the pub and and had had dinner and some beers because it was like there was no way we were gonna get out of that. We didn't know where we were supposed to go, and it was like thirty minutes left in the mission at that point, and we had like seven riddles to do, and it was like n- there's no way we're gonna do this all. Um, so we, we took and like I think that some people were kind of bummed out by that, but it was like what it's too hot. Like what are we supposed to do? Like, you know, because I think the heat index at that point was like well over a hundred. Um, yeah. So yeah, we Whoa. just we just kind of chilled for the rest of that, and I don't really know what happened to our moderator, but I can't imagine they just stayed there. I think they just went inside or something. <laughs> but yeah, that I'm that mission was kind of a wash just because like we had to swap with other teams. If it was just like do these riddles, your team has to make it to the end. I think it would it would have just worked better because like the communication was never established from the get go, so we didn't know what team we were supposed to look out for. Because there was a there was a point where we saw another team walk by and we were like, "Are we supposed to meet up with you?" And they're like, "No, no, it's not us." So it was just like we didn't know who we were supposed to meet. We didn't know where they were. We didn't know where their moderator were. So like, I think that one could have been a little bit like more straightforward if they like had a little bit more time maybe to plan that mission out. But I I, I can't really blame blame the the moderators too much for that um so but yeah i mean that's that, a lot of people got tagged out during that one for sure um but i know i mean that's kind of all i can say about that i guess we can move right on to mission four which is the kind of the final mission of the day there was supposed to be another mission that they ended up not doing as a result um oh uh, really uh yeah i believe so they ended up cutting that and kind of merging that into the final mission i i I think is what I heard. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Uh, but yeah, final mission. Because it probably just got too hot, and it, and like we kept delaying missions so much that I probably we would have ran out of time anyway. So yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, final mission started at, uh, what, like 7, seven o'clock, I want to say. Uh, briefing was at 6.45. It was supposed to end at 8.30. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, final mission... Um, and a lot of people sat out of mission three that were humans, um, and then they came back for the final mission. So there was 
a lot more humans than there were uh, than in Mission 3 and yeah. kind of offset the numbers of zombies. And some zombies, I think, had quit at that point, too, just because of the heat. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. there was a little imbalance um, with that just to begin with. Uh, but we were basically released, and I forget exactly what the the mission objective was because all i know is we left the building yeah. and then immediately we were harassed by the horde uh for a pretty long while we ended up in this area where there was this stone pillar and we ended up getting pinned yep. up on that pillar uh and yep. that almost in itself uh felt to me like an actual final hold uh, just because of yeah. the amount of zombies there were, and they kept coming, and and you know people were. I think it rained uh, slightly before, so the ground was a little bit wet, and uh, yep. people were sliding, which was really fun. Um, I don't think anyone got injured, uh, thank goodness. But that was in a really uh, intense uh, standoff uh, for about probably like it seemed like, you know, ten ten minutes at least. I want to say, um, uh-huh. and then. Most of my group got wiped out at that point, uh, and somehow magically I was able to run away and ended up joining another group, and we were able to get to the actual final hold location. Uh, it was basically an escort mission, I want to say, where we had a mod with us, and we had yeah, to take them to... That that final... So it was the same place we did mission two, right? It was the same yeah, courtyard, yeah. basically. Yeah. That that was that that pillar you're talking about. I think that was we had to bring these moderators to like three of to four different locations. I think or maybe it was that's five, what it was. But we that's we had to was. bring them. We had to bring. We had to do at least three each. I think each group had to yeah. bring their moderator to three of these locations. And you basically, I don't remember what the objective was, but you had to hold that location for five minutes. And then once you did that, then you could leave. And then it was like, okay, that's one. And then you find another, you have to do the same thing, that's two. And then you have to do another, same thing, that's three. And then after you do those, then you go to that final location you're talking about, which is that main huge courtyard from Mission 2. And there were, like, traffic cones that were, like, pillars of... They were, like, flames or something that you had to keep lit was, like, the the kind of the, the mission objective behind that. And it was, like, if... You had to hold that until the end of the mission. Hold that until 8.30. And if all of those, or, like, one of those was still lit by the end, then, like, the humans saved the gods. If the humans were still alive by that point, then the humans lived. I think if, like, all of them was was knocked over, but the humans were still alive, then the, then the, the gods died, but the humans lived or something. And if all the humans were wiped and all the, all the flames were knocked over, all the traffic cones were knocked over, then Hades' army won or something. It was, like, a couple so it, different, like, win conditions. So it's probably, like, like zombie win, human survived, human win. Yeah, kind of, because then, like, the gods could still win or something, even though the humans were dead, I think, or, or the, the yeah. humans could live, but the gods were dead. It was it was a little convoluted, so, I'll, I'll say that. But. Yeah, so... And kind of so, hard to get all that when you're, like, fending off zombies. Yeah, exactly. So there were, uh, again, they used those uh, kickboards or the, the styrofoam swimming boards or whatever, the tablets, yeah. and they were called Pyros, 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 Pyros? Yes, P-Y-R-E, Pyre. Yeah. And uh, you had to go 
to three out of four locations and do holds and then you could go to that final hold in that courtyard area where they squared off they did almost they taped it off with it almost looked like a four square um four mm -hmm. square uh thing and then they set up the pyras uh so they were supporting each other and the object was to make sure that they stood up until the end of the mission and yeah. uh there had to be i forget how many groups there were but there had to be th three three at least three of the human groups have had to have their pyros up uh for the humans to win by the end of uh, 8 30 and mm -hmm. uh and then if if all the pillars knocked, or if your pillar, or if your pyra got knocked down, then you were automatically turned. Um, oh, and I didn't then, know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you had to guard your pyra. Uh, but once we, we were kind of in the lower section of that courtyard, not where the mission two was. So yeah. when we got there, we were the first group there and no one was there. We kind of had our area. And then eventually probably like 10, 10 minutes later, another group showed up. Um, and then we were holding that lower section area, uh, but there weren't any zombies engaging at all for whatever reason. I mean, I know the so, reason we, we can get into yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that's yeah. what I was about to ask. Uh, but, uh, and then uh, a couple more groups ended up showing up and, and they set up on that main courtyard. I'm not sure if any of their pyros got taken down because um, I wasn't there. But no, no, yeah. no. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I was, was a zombie, kind of so I was patrolling, yeah. Okay. So it was kind of uneventful at that point, uh, for yeah. at least from, from what I was experiencing. And, you know, next thing I know, it was 8.30, and it was, uh, it was a human victory, um, which I was fine yeah. with. I, you know, it's, uh, it's always it was, fun to say from that. From what you, I've heard, you, you, it was survived. the largest human victory of Enwar ever. So, because I think there was like so, 40 I'm, humans left alive by the end. That sounds about right because I, because uh, how many starting humans were there? There was a good bunch. There was, yeah, I don't think a lot of people got tagged. Our whole team got wiped. So I know we lost like 10, 15 humans for sure. Um, okay. Which, which it was like we started and like the problem was we went to like an area that was already being like humans were already at one of the pillar locations. And we were like, oh, we'll just, we'll just wait until y'all are done. And then we'll go next because we all have to get three of these in order to like go to the final area, which I don't think really would have mattered anyway. Now that I think about it, but they were like, "No, you can't even be near us. You have to." You like a human was like, "No, you, we don't want you near us." And I was like, "Well, we'll just guard you. If anything, we'll just we'll go like two hundred feet away. You don't even have to look at us." And they were yeah. like, "Well, you can't." And I was like, "Who who who cares?" You know. But so we did that, and then and then Rogers, who was just kind of like patrolling with us at the time, just kind of like seeing how the mission was going, was like told our main UNCC local that like he was like, you know what to do, just go to a different one like across campus, like don't don't wait here. So he listened to him, and we're like, all right, yeah, let's do that. So we went to we went to that stone pillar, and a group had just finished it, and we had gotten there, and there was already like a lot of zombies like around that area, and I think what I remember is the rain was gonna come in at like six thirty, is what my my weather app told me and we started at 6 30 i think and there wasn't any rain yet but then like 15 minutes in it started to be a light drizzle but it wasn't bad actually the rain that was about as much as it was and it lasted maybe for like 20 30 minutes and then it stopped and it was like perfect in terms of that um but we got to refreshing. that we got to that 
Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't like it was the sun was starting to go down, so it wasn't like baking you either. So it ended up being all right. Um, but we got to that location again, where like it was that stone pillar, and there was like a ton of zombies around there. And we actually held the location fine. It was when we had to leave when a lot of us got tagged, and I wasn't really paying too much attention. And we all just got wiped during that as we were like running away, um, because a lot of our people who got tagged immediately turned into zombies and then it just doubled the group essentially um and we were like okay well like some of us are going to go back and put our blasters up and then we're going to meet up with this group and so i did that really quickly i did that in like maybe five minutes or so because it was not too far away from the student union but when i came back there was like five zombies left and i was like what happened to like the group that tagged us there was like 40 people and now that's just yeah. like kind of us and I don't know if it was like the rain or people were just tired and they're like, hey, we got a whole group. We got some people. Now I, I feel accomplished. I'm going to head home or something. But like the zombies kind of just like dissolved. And there was another group that had come by that same stone pillar. And me and a couple of people were like, all right, let's try to get them. And then they finished that stone pillar and then we're moving away. So we're like, all right, well, let's chase them because wherever they're going is where we're going to have to go eventually. And then the moderators were like, hey, we want all the zombies that are still in this area. We want everyone to group together now. And then we're all going to head together to the last location. And we're all going to like, you know, be there at the end to try to stop the humans. But the problem was is it took them like 10 minutes to get everyone like bound together so we could all move together in one group. And by that point, we had lost where the humans were located, so we didn't know where they were going. We just knew that they were going to head to the main quad at the end. And I, like, I was, like, near the front of this, like, large group because they were getting, like, really... They were just, you know... It was the end of the day. I get it. Everyone didn't yeah. want to run, so we were all, like, slowly walking to the location. But by the time we got to that final quad, there was, like, two zombies in that whole area, and all the humans were already at the pyres. So it was like, all right... Well, there's like now four of us here and the, there's more zombies coming. And it was like, you know, like 15 of us ended up showing up to the final quad. And it was kind of just like a little bit like it kind of, I'm sure. From, yeah, I'm sure from the human's perspective, they didn't care too much when they won. You know, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But like it, I would have probably been pretty bummed out, too, because it's like, oh, this kind of sucks. Like we're just here like guarding a location and there's like 15 zombies that like don't even want to engage because it was like. How am I going to engage? I'm going to walk one step. There was people literally like had their blaster pinned on me. And if I took a step, they were going to tag me. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just stand here. <laughs> and I was like, Menacingly. at one point, I, at one point, I just took off my, my bandana and just recorded because I was just like, I, we're, we're not going to. There's yeah. 40 humans and they're all spread across this area. There's no way we're going to tag anyone. Um, and it was like, I don't know, like I, I it's not really a fault of the moderation because like if there was more zombies, it would have been great. There just wasn't. Um, but, like, I could tell they were kind of bummed out. Like, I know one of the head moderators, like, turned themselves into a tank, which was not a special infected we were supposed to have. But they literally <laughs> were like, everyone knows what a tank is, right? And people were like, yeah. She's like, okay, well, I'm going to be a tank now, and I'm going to start counting down. <laughs> because it was like, <laughs> no one was engaging at all. And there was, like, 20 minutes left, and there was 15 zombies. And it was like, yeah, this ain't happening. Um, so it was just kind of a bummer that that's the way it ended, you know? Um, and part of the, part of the issue, which wasn't really an issue because they didn't know, but there was like a group that wasn't at the final location and they were like pinning zombies to them, like far away from it. And then like, what happened is, is they like split up the horde that could have been at the final location. So it ended up like being worse for everyone involved. They had a great time because they had like a really good engagement with zombies, but it ended up hurting yeah, the final they, stand. Yeah. They ended up pulling like a, like a Sparta. Over Which, there. like, 
I get like, and they were super it's really with cool it. for those seven people, but for the but other it, forty people, yeah. Just in like, hindsight, eh. in hindsight, it really affected the game, and it was like, uh, like if if they knew that that's the way it was going to turn out, I don't know if they would have had that. And the problem yeah. there too was that the moderation team knew that, and they were like, all right, zombies disengage. We need to head to the final stand because like we're not doing anything out here. And it just made a lot of the zombies kind of like pissed off because it was like we were going to get them because they were just continually wasting ammo. And like eventually we would have gotten them tagged because they would have just ran out of ammo. But like it was like, oh, disengage. And then like now after all that effort, it kind of there was a lot of tempers. Yeah, it was a lot of people just felt like very frustrated. And I think some people were just like, well, I'm I'm not I'm just going to (laughs) go just I want to head back to the union. So it just hurt a lot of the a lot of the motivation of the zombies, too. And it was just like. And I think the final stand location was a little far. Is again, that's that area was like way far away from center central campus, and it was just like, I don't think anyone wanted to go that far either. Um, so Tired yeah, I think it yeah. could have been better, but you know, it is what it is. It wasn't a big deal, but um, I just knew that like with more zombies, that mission could have been really fun, and it just kind of fell apart at the end. Yeah. It was a little anticlimactic, but again, I think overall, generally, uh, people had fun um, with this uh, with this end war, even though it resulted in a uh, human victory. Yeah, I, I had fine. I had fun overall. Like that that complaint in the grand scheme of things is so minuscule that like it's fine. Right. Um, and, and it's kind it's kind of fun to be able to say that you were a part of that end war with the human victory. Um, as well that so. is true i technically was as well i was just on the other side of <laughs> yeah just being in attendance yeah i sat down at a ca- uh, at a at an outdoor picnic table and just watched because <laughs> it was like oh well um but uh, you know that was that was what it was i don't know i think we went we had dinner before that so we just went home we were like we're tired we're gonna head home we're gonna like shower and get ready because like we had at least I was doing film pro tour in the morning and competing. So I was like, well, like this is fun, but like, I do want to rest up a little bit. Um, you mentioned Chris who kind of, I would say is kind of the de facto leader of like Frumble. He asked me to join Frumble like uh, a couple weeks before for this event. And I was like, yeah, sure. It sounds fun. Um, and they had an Airbnb close to the venue for the next day. So he was like, Hey, like if you want, we're, we're preparing for this event, you know? Um, so if you want to stop by tonight, like, and, and, and hang out, like, you, you're welcome to. And I was like, all right. I kind of hung out with the moderation team for N War at like uh, at the cookout that was near campus because apparently that's like their tradition to do so. Oh, that's cool. And it was fun. I got to kind of hang out with them and kind of like thank them for the event and kind of just chat with them. And then at like 11 o'clock, I headed to Chris's Airbnb where everyone was still like setting up blasters and stuff. And we were like talking about how we were going to prepare. People were giving me free stuff. I was like, man, like y'all are, y'all are doing the most. And I'm like, dead i'm like trying to hit the bed i left there at like midnight and we had to like wake up he was like all right can you be here by like seven and i was like oh. i can be here by like 7 45 <laughs> like, that was at like nine i'll be here by eight o'clock like, and i'll be 15 minutes early how's that we'll sound see. yeah because i also knew like these events never start on time either so he's yeah. like all right well if you get you know just get me a coffee on the way i was like sounds good i'll get you coffee like and i got there like 8 a.m like i got there like an hour late basically um, and then we, we left at 8.30 to get to the venue. The, ven- the event was supposed to start at 9, so it was like only 30 minutes to really set up. We were the only ones there. Like, no oh. one showed up on time, because I think everyone was a little tired. Which is funny, because... Uh, and you showed up right after us, right? 
Well, no, actually, we showed up before you, and we didn't know where we were supposed to meet. So oh, really? we drove around that entire park. And then I saw you in your car yes. drive where we had just came from, and we were, and I was like, "Oh, that's Spud. Let's yes. just follow. Uh, let's follow Spud." And then, uh, luckily, the uh, the park services um, rep was there and directed us yep. into the correct location. But yeah, we were supposed to be there at eight to set up for the Dart Zone booth, um, and because we were helping out with the chronographing. Uh, for that as well as having the booth there so we got there at eight probably drove around for a good half hour before you showed up uh, thank goodness you did and then um yeah <laughs> i saw a blaster then, uh, at an area and i was like i need to go that way <laughs> like someone had a blaster <laughs> out there was like one person there before us yeah and then uh we got there and then people started arriving we had to set up that inflatable our booth um yeah there was not uh, i think originally there was gonna be eight eight teams at phone pro tour uh and then at the very last second derek uh from dart zone wanted to actually play so he's like i'm gonna yeah. make a team and then he grabbed a, a few of the parents uh and some of the older folks and he made a uh, that's great impromptu dart zone team and they were going to use yeah it was awesome dart zone blasters exclusively so that they, they had the mark four they had a few uh mark threes and uh, i was extremely jealous uh because they were using the omnia as well um oh, great and, and he was trying to recruit me as well. He's like, "You're with, you're with me. <laughs> Don't betray me." You know, and uh, <laughs> I, I was playing. I was. Pl I had already agreed to play with RJ and Bree on their team for uh, Foam Rain, is originally what it right. was, and uh, we had a couple players uh, from our local area that decided not to make the trip uh, the day before on Saturday. The, the logistics or personal issues, uh, so they weren't mm -hmm. able to make it. So we ended up picking up. Uh, Michael and Emmett from Orca Company, uh, luckily, and they joined our team. But uh, I, I normally play with Magic Smoke, um, so that's my normal team. Uh, and uh, I always wanted our team name to be Team Ramrod, um, and it got vetoed, and we ended up with Magic Smoke. Uh, so now whenever I have a team that's just kind of improvised, we always go by Team Ramrod, so we were Team Ramrod for for Phone Pro Tour, which was a lot of fun. Nice, uh, but Phone Pro Tour, I mean, uh, it, it, I had fun again. Uh, I'm easy to please, but I had a lot of fun competing uh, at this year's Phone Pro Tour. It was extremely yeah. hot again. Um, it was. I felt like it was hotter that day than it was even the day before. It might have just been the humidity. It was. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, like, by the end, I was fading, for sure. But like you said, we were running a little bit behind schedule, so it took a while for uh, for the field to be set up and and uh, yep. to check in and everything and load up and everything. So we probably didn't start until, what, like 10.30, maybe 11 even? Yeah, it was pretty late in the day, for sure. Because, I mean, like, we uh -huh. literally showed up, and, like, probably 15, 20 minutes after Drax's team showed up, and, you know, they had to set up all the PVC stuff. They had to, we, like, didn't even know what side of the field because it was, like, a whole, it was a whole, like, green area, green space. And it was, like, do we want to play on the hill or do we want to play down there? So they didn't even know we were playing yet. So it took a while for everything to get hmm. set up for sure. Uh, the field layout was very reminiscent of Q2 qualifiers from last year's uh, FPT. Oh, really? 
Yeah, so um, I was sort of familiar with that layout uh, in general. They did move a couple pieces around, uh, mm -hmm. but I think it was a total of 11 pieces of cover. Uh, so it was very it was left and right. Like, there wasn't a lot in the middle. I remember that. So it was very tough yeah. to move across the field. Wasn't there only like one piece in the center? Yeah, it was, it was literally one piece in the very center of the field, and they had like two triangles on either side of that, and then cover on either side from there was like only on the left side and only on the right side. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, uh, another thing that was interesting was, uh, there were angled covers on the side, but the back right piece of cover was, uh, was parallel to the, uh, to the gate. So that was the yeah. only piece of uh, straight cover that provided full cover. And what ended up happening was off the break, normally three, three players would go and stack up behind that flat piece of cover just because it provided the most amount. It was the coverage. one functional piece of cover. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be a recurring theme. It was, well, I would say that the rest of the cover was good to you. It was just, that was the best and it was the easiest to get yeah. to. Yeah, so okay, it, re it reminded me very much. It was basically Q2 outdoors, uh, whatever that means. Um, okay. <laughs> so it, it was manageable. Um, yeah, like I said, there was nine teams total. There was uh, Beef Squad. There was Frumble. Uh, Impact Dart League had four teams play. Well, they, had, um, they said they were going to have four teams, and they only ended up having two teams. And oh, that's right. They did. They, yeah, and then and then the SCNC, which is different than the SENC, but it basically they all play together. So it was you could say it was three from the same region, but different name. Mm. Uh, so maybe my math is off then. Uh, maybe it was eight teams <laughs> then. Uh, then there was Dart Zone, like I said. Uh, there was Midnight Terror, which were the Ohio. No, I'm sorry, the Illinois. A team and they were mainly comprised of kids teenagers i want to say they they kind of made their team almost on the spot like someone brought jerseys and they like had messaged on the facebook page for n war like does anyone want to join a team and like a couple of people were like yeah i want to join but then they still needed like one person to join and i think like a, a younger kid like made their fifth person or whatever but like the the right before the event that's so, like they had jerseys and everything which is really cool 500th legion last year which ended up working out really well for them because they did extremely well i was super impressed uh, by their performance that guy with the harrier was insanely good and i've heard like i talked to him and i was like you know getting information from him he hasn't played nerf events like i think this is like he's only been in it for a couple of months but Jeez. he comes from paintball from what i've oh, heard okay so that's yeah. why he's so good so, so he's already his, got like the experience. So after yeah. FPT, we went out to dinner. Um, his name is Matt, and you'll be happy Matt. to know this, okay. but be, uh, uh, because if you play with Frumble again, I do believe they recruited him for the role. <laughs> yes. So yes, dude, they they know how to recruit for sure. Frumble, Frumble, and the, and the thing is, I think he's from Charlotte. So I even was like, hey, I want to find out who this kid's name is and where he is because I want to recruit him if we ever make a team for the area. But it looks like Frumble's already got that locked in, so that's funny. <laughs> and, uh, and Chris had asked me to play for Frumble the day after RJ and Bree had asked me uh, to play for Team Foam ah. uh, So I, 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 I possibly could have been on, on Frumble um, this year, but 
Yeah, because I know uh, Buff Daddy um, or uh, Brian, right? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Remember from our last episode, which hasn't been From our last yet. episode, which, yeah, if, if this gets released at the right time, you'll already know. But uh, he was supposed to be on Frumble and then couldn't make it because he already had plans for July 4th. So I became, I took his spot, which you would have taken that spot, but you were already on their team. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> They were trying to get everyone on Frumble hmm. this year. It's, it's uh, six degrees of separation, and uh, it's funny yes. because Brian ended up Brian ended up going to uh, visit Boom uh, for their event at Maryland Nerf Herders. <laughs> so, oh no way, that's funny. <laughs> I guess yeah. it was closer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was. Uh, I had a lot of fun with the tournament. Uh, we our team had a buy, so we ended up not playing for you know probably another forty five minutes or an hour because they kept on taking breaks, I think 10 minute breaks in between yeah. every two or three matches. Um, it was too hot, but, yeah. But you guys did extremely, extremely well, which is to be expected because uh, Frumble, Frumble competes a lot. They did Boiler Dome yep. and, and uh, you know, they did FPT last year and were one of the yeah. eight, eight qualifying final teams for the finals, so. Yeah, um, I will say, man, like just in terms of their visibility at these events, I consider them kind of like a premier team as far as like, like the way Dauntless used to be at so many events. Yeah. And I think Dauntless may come back around if like Ragnar Oktoberfest comes around again. But like, uh, what's another big team that like goes to a lot of events too? There's like, I think there's a team up in the, you know, like Uno is like a, a team that like yeah. just has a lot of visibility and stuff and they go to a lot of events. Uh, there's like another team I was thinking of prior that didn't make it, but uh you know, so they've been, I think, to six events. This might have been their seventh. But they went to, like, three Foam Pro Tour events alone. They went to Qualifier 1, they went to Qualifier 2, and then they went to the final. Um, and then, again, they did Boiler Dome, like you said. They went to Maryland Mayhem. So, like, their, their players, while, like, when I played them in Qualifier 1, weren't, like, super prepared. Now they've been to enough events, and they play pretty competitive events locally that uh, they knew what they were doing. And they were... Yeah. I will say this... I didn't. I only knew really Chris before I joined, and like I said, I went to their Airbnb the night before, and they were just super, super courteous. They like gave me a bunch of free stuff. Like they gave me a bunch of like sodas. They're like, we got a bunch of these. You want one? Like Chris got me a jersey. Like the day after I said I was gonna join, he was like, all right, I'll buy you your jersey. Like hmm. they were, you know, gonna take me out to dinner, and I, I ended up being too tired, and I just went home after the event. So like those guys, man, they treated me really well, and I, you know. I've been at foam pro tour events before sort of like join a team kind of randomly and be a part of that. It was like really, I was really humbled by that. It was really quite nice. Um, I wanted to make a team from like the Georgia area, but like our team combo number five basically dissolved. I don't know really yeah. what happened, but like they all just flying chicken had to run the event. Uh, um, Would that be a combo breaker? It would be a combo breaker. Nice. Carius <laughs> uh, joined one of the IDL teams. And then the other two people that were on our team uh, were from the UMBC area, but they forgot their competitive blasters in a duffel bag when they left. So oh, no. they didn't have anything to play with. And I kept telling them, I'm like, get a long shot, get a long shot, just go to Target. But I think someone already bought out the local targets like for this event or something. Um, so they just, they just helped referee, but they were really, really good at refereeing. There was a lot of great refs involved in the event itself. So, yeah, I, I will say compared to last year, I thought the refing was, um, was an improvement. They had four quadrant refs. So one in each quadrant, 
uh, on top of having uh, Drac and I think Pat was his name, Drac's buddy. Um, yes. Kind of line refs, but they were actually on the field behind the you know behind the players. So yeah, uh, I think that made a lot of difference. And most importantly, they were calling tags uh, this year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah. I do think I do think players were taking their tags a lot better this year as well, at least from my experience. Um, So there wasn't as much arguing or anything like that. Um, Of course, there's always going to be arguing or disputes, but really there wasn't that many disputes in general. Um, And a lot of that is probably due to having the refs um, in those locations this year and actually calling tags. So, um, and I also, I also want to say that I, I feel like the camaraderie of the teams uh, at this point, a lot of the teams have played together and we and we know each other and, uh, you know, and everyone just kind of wants to have fun at this point and uh, have gotten yeah. over the $10,000 prize pool and just want to be able to compete yeah. with their friends. So I felt like there was a lot more camaraderie in general um, uh, this year compared to to the past. So it was it was a, yeah. it was a fun experience. Yeah, I know um, that. At some point during the games, because like uh, it it was it wasn't your team. I don't think it might have been your team that was foam rain that got eliminated. But I know like Daniel is from like he he played in the Georgia area for a while. Like he got into this hobby in in the Atlanta area. So like Drac knows him really well, and like so there's the rest of the people do. And I know there was like when some people got eliminated, they became referees and helped ref the games. So like by yeah. halfway through through the the tournament, I want to say there was like a ref looking at each individual player by like the final couple of rounds, which then made again made like tags super easy to call because like it wasn't just like oh I'm looking at three people. It's like I'm literally staring at this one person for the waiting entire for match. a dart to pop off him. Yeah, yeah, and it made and it was like I I literally watched it. It wasn't like oh I think it hit you. It was like I I you know it was like. 100%. So it made things a lot easier also from like a player's perspective to be like, it didn't hit me, ref. And it was like, no, I, I definitely saw it. You know, so it was like, even if there was like some questionable calls, it was just like, well, I, there's, I mean, like you didn't see it. I saw it type of situation. Like it, it's good to go. And like, mm. I'll say myself, I've never been in a situation where I played a couple of competitive events. And normally when I get tagged, I'll know I get tagged and I, I come out. But there was one point where even Drac like, I didn't even hear him say it until like the third time because I was so focused, but he was like, Spud, you're out. And I was like, yeah. I didn't even know I got tagged. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm glad you saw it because I would like, I had no idea I got tagged at some certain points. Um, so it was good. Yeah, it's just like the heat of the moment is like very yeah. much. Uh, I'll be honest. I think that, I think that was our match and I tagged you and I was like, Spud, <laughs> Spud, Spud. Well, that <laughs> one, I know for sure. I know because I think I like rolled or something. I fell or I rolled and like it, I think you tagged me when I was on the ground, but the ref like didn't call it. And I, I didn't like, I think the match ended shortly after that, but it was like, I, I don't know. Like you said, you but like the thing is, there were moments in time where like a player would be like, "I got you, I got you," but it was like, "Well, the ref has to call them out." Like yeah, they have to say absolutely. like they're coming out too, which I think is probably the best way to do it because it can get into such a heated argument if it's like, "No, For you didn't sure. tag me." Yes, I did, and it's like the refs. If the ref saw it or the ref didn't see it, you know, otherwise call dispute at the end of the game, which I know we did yeah. one, and it was just the easiest way to do it to do it officially versus you know like. Oh, he said, she said type of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, 
Yeah, I definitely agree. There was like a level of camaraderie I liked, especially from like my team where I took I took a coaching role early on where I was like, I've y'all have done more events than I have, so y'all are better than me. But I've also been in this hobby for longer. So I know how to like kind of see things and like, which the, uh, it was mostly like, I want y'all to play because y'all are better than me. So I like, hmm. we're going to do better if y'all are on the field versus me. But it was like, while I'm on the sidelines, I'm going to help coach. I'm going to call hits or I'm going to call where people are. But also like when games are over, I was like, hey, don't worry about that. We did this in this event. Like we can get, we can deal with this. Like, hey, like make sure you get your water, make sure you're, you know, preparing. So it was like cool for me to kind of take that leadership role in a certain way where I was like kind of helping keeping people motivated or like keeping people like, I was like, hey guys, stay focused, stay focused. We got another round. We Let's chat later. Like we can, you know, I was like, keeping everyone on their A game. And I got a lot of enjoyment out of that. Like if I ever have, if we ever get to a level where we have professional teams where like people are getting paid and they want to coach, I'll take that role because <laughs> it means I have to do less work and I just, I just motivate people. Right. But, uh, I don't think we'll ever get to that maybe. But, um, as far as the event, you know, it was great. We got second place. I can't really complain too much. Uh, it was really cool. Like I didn't, you know, if if I played with the SCNC guys, we probably would have gotten out in round one hmm. because I I got a couple of hits, but I definitely wasn't getting the most hits. You know, so I definitely wasn't the ringer of the SCNC. I definitely wasn't the ringer of Frumble. Um, in general, like there wasn't much I could complain about, really. Like it, it went the way it went. Um, you know, just you know, you win, you lose sometimes. Um, but like the heat was so bad, man. It was like, like you said, like there will be there will be like you know like. I don't want to say skirmishes, but like sometimes people will get heated about certain things. And sometimes it's just the event because it's hot, you know, like yeah. things on the field will go a certain way and then you'll cool off. You'll have dinner with these people and it'll be like, oh, no, we're best buds, you know. So like, yeah, there are times where like things happen on the field that like it's just like, yeah, it's just it's sports. It's just competitive events like this happens at your local soccer clubs. This happens at your local football clubs. But like once you get out the field and cool off, it's fine. Um, so like, you know, there, I, and there wasn't even anything really bad. Like I've seen events that have gone much worse in terms of stuff and it, it was totally cool. Like no one, no one really had, you know, like we didn't have any issues that had to be dealt with. Um, like, so it, it, it all worked out well. Um, it was just insanely hot. I just couldn't, couldn't be there too much longer. Um, there are some things I think like there could be some rule changes for foam pro tour. Cause I know y'all, I think it, I think it was Maryland mayhem has certain rules that I think I want foam pro tour to consider um and a lot of it comes down to like what the sideline can do and what they can't do um and like it came down to it where like i didn't like some things that happened on the sideline but nothing was against the rules so it was all fair game right but in the future i might want to talk like spirit of the law not letter of the law yeah kind of right yeah where it's like i just i just didn't agree with it but it was like you're you're totally allowed to do certain things so I may talk to moderators in the future of this event and see what they think and, you know, and just kind of go formally with it. Cause it wasn't, there was no point in me being a 27 year old and like having some argument on the sideline. Mm -hmm. It's not really about, I'm not about that. I'm, I'm here to have fun. So it was just like, I just want to make sure, you know, that, you know, we, we see some, what some other people are doing because Maryland mayhem seems like they have their shit locked down or their stuff locked down. And, Ragnar Oktoberfest does the you know a, a competitive game in a slightly altered way. I think they do an Ion Rush very similar, but it's slightly different. And I want to try to get all the events in like a standardized rule set because it's going to make it much easier to know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so that for sure. 
And then the other big complaint I had, well, not really complaint, but I know we were supposed to have a casual war going on on tandem that Flying Chicken was going to run like on another field or something. And honestly, I just don't think there was enough people to play. Like everyone who showed up ended up having a team basically to play on. Like like Dirt Sweep said, like they pulled moms and dads and like older people to like join a team. So everyone who was like showed up basically who wanted to play could play. Um, but I think it was just too hot that no one wanted to play any other games anyway. So mm. yeah, I don't I don't think that materialized thing. for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, so that that was fine. I don't think anyone had any complaints about not having the free the free uh, games going on on tandem. So. Um, I don't know if you had any if you had any critiques or anything that you liked or didn't like or anything, but I know you were you were doing. I guess one thing you probably didn't like was the heat because it kept turning off your stream. Your phone kept overheating. Yeah, which was extremely annoying. Um, I don't think that's ever happened before. <laughs> but I usually don't. I usually don't stream from my phone. Um, but uh, yeah, I I did an impromptu stream because people were asking for it uh, on yeah. my phone and just set up you know a little. A little rig off to the side um and it was good probably for like the first hour or so and then after that my phone kept just shutting off and i would have to restart <laughs> it and luckily the stream would pick up from where it ended up but if you were watching it live there was definitely some downtimes and that was when i was restarting the uh the the phone uh but i probably did yeah. that I want to say at least a dozen times, <laughs> and I had a pa I had a power bank connected to it just so I had enough uh, battery, uh, but that didn't That's really crazy. do anything. And I, I guess just the, we had an umbrella covering covering the camera, yeah. and and that didn't do that. anything. You, you need one of those water cooling cases that cycle uh, cold water through the phone through the. Well, back is that a thing? Wow, it's a thing. It does not work very well. What I think it was was that I had it in its, uh, uh, you know, protection case. Uh, so I think uh. that caused it to overheat a lot because I ended mm. up, what ended up happening was the finals was about to start. Uh, Frumble and uh, Beef Squad's Beef. final was about yeah. to was about yeah. to start, and of course my camera kept on dying. Uh, so I decided just to switch phones and use uh, uh, Bree's phone, which is an iPhone. Uh, and I just did that handheld for those final matches. Uh, and That's that right. had no issues whatsoever at all. And I was kind of annoyed by by that. But yeah, I, if that ever happens <laughs> again, I think the solution is to at least try it without the, the case on and see if that happens again. But I'll bring a better yeah. setup next time. <laughs> just uh, just well, they, case, again, uh, I, I, I don't think you should have, you know, I, I think at some point, you know, it, it should have been a stream hosted by by the team doing it but i mean i understand like it's not you know we're, we're not professionals here it was like it's nice that you did it you know and again it was very impromptu so hopefully if we can get some communication going and be like hey like can this person do the stream or can this person you know do that so that way like when we get there it's less like running like chickens with their heads cut off and more like oh we know what our jobs are situation but with more games and more events the better we'll get Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, f I felt like I was wearing a few different hats that day with helping out with Dart Zone, competing, which yeah. I actually, I forgot to mention, I wasn't even originally going to compete. I was kind of going to do what you do and was just going to be there for moral support and, uh, and coach because uh, they had a full roster and if they needed me to play, I would have yeah. played. But a couple players dropped out even before the other players dropped out. So I ended up having to play. Uh, but yeah, so having to do Dart Zone and then the stream and then compete 
was uh was a lot for that day but uh just go, going just my general philosophy for competing because you you had mentioned it that you you do it for fun it's kind of what i tell our team um our local yeah. teams it's you know it's it's really about the experience and like winning is great and yeah. everything but you know like i said i i've i've done competitive sports and at this point i, I i've had my uh I've had my chance, uh, and I'm just basically at the point where, for me, it's fun to compete. It's fun to play with friends. Winning is awesome, but it's not everything. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is to have fun. And if you win, yep. that's icing on the cake, but that's not what it should really be all about. So, Yeah. Yep. I think that's a really yeah. good way of thinking about it. And that's, I mean, and you're right, like, and it's part of me wants to see, like, what it could be, like, when there's no money involved, because I think that also, like, that just changes the environment so much. Mm -hmm. It's not about winning now, it's about, like, oh, I can pay for this, I can buy that, and it, like, you know, and it's not like anyone was doing that, but, like, that does create a different environment, so, like, keeping, like, hey, we gotta shake hands, we'll wish them good luck before the match, I made sure, uh, and our, our team was very good about that, but that was my goal, is like before and after each match is like, you know, good luck, good game, whatever. But also, it was like, people who do these, like you said, yourself, you've done, you know, competitive sports at a, I would consider a pretty high level. So you know what it's like, and I've, you know, I, I was on, I did varsity sports in high school, so I know to a certain degree as well, but there are plenty of people who nerf, who are just now getting into like physical competitive events, and like it's it's a it's a learning curve, and so like you know making sure people know that is one thing, but also like keeping yourselves accountable when other people aren't keeping yourselves accountable is a whole thing too. Where it's like you can be like super sportsmanlike, but if the person you're playing against isn't, are you gonna start playing unsportsmanlike, or are you gonna play right. that same sportsmanlike behavior and hold yourself to a higher high standard? And that that is tricky sometimes, and mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to. And I'm not gonna say that that necessarily happened or not. But that was one thing where I was like, hey, doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. Let's shake hands. Let's make sure we're doing this and that. Because, like, at the end of the day, I could care less what, like, happens in a week from now. I want to be able to look back at, like, months from now and be like, hey, regardless of what happened, at least people could say, like, we shook hands with everyone. We weren't dicks about this or that. We, you know, we tried our best to, you know, do this and that. So that was my goal is to make sure that, like, at least from our perspective, you know, we were we were shaking hands and wishing good game to people. Mm. Um because that again, it's like some people have never experienced that, and it's this is a good way to do it. Um, so exactly. I wanted to kind of be the be the, the person, especially from like a coaching perspective, to kind of help with that. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a good mentality to have. Like if you're, I guess, in, in a sense, is being a role model for, for yeah. people who are coming in. Yeah, because I mean, Frumble consisted of myself, and I'm I'm, I'm in my late twenties. Chris is in his late twenties. Is sorry, Chris is well into his adulthood. So is Jordan, hmm. but like Badger, Chase, uh, Barrett. Like I think they were mostly like l- like late teenagers, so like very much teenagers. And then we had Chris's son Oliver, who's eight. So it's like w- adults can hold themselves to a which standard. was awesome because he's the youngest player to ever play in FPT at this point. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. I remember when because he because he kept asking. He was like, "Can I play, Dad?" And Chris was like, "All right, you can play this round." But the whole time, man, I could just see how nervous he was because he was like, "Man, like I don't know how long he's gonna play. Like I don't want to like lose a match, but I want to be a good dad, you know." And I was like, "I tell you, you know, I you get just it, have man. the coach on the other team just go zero in on him." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I mean, it people was, uh... were good about that. 
It was funny because uh, Chris ended up showing up just for the final mission with uh, Oliver uh, for the HVZ portion. And at the yeah. final hole, Drac was there. And uh, you, uh, Oliver took his photo with Drac. And he was extremely nice. happy Yeah, he was really that. proud of that. He was um, like, I'm the youngest then, person to survive N-War. And I was like, heck yeah, dude. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, well, Chris was telling me that, you know, he, uh, he keeps telling Oliver to say that he's 12 when he goes to these events, but Oliver can't lie. So he's always selling Chris oh, out. Right. Uh, um, but, uh, but, uh, we were at the final hold and Oliver was like, yeah, I'm going to be competing tomorrow. And Drac was like, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, he ended up doing it, uh, which was great. And, uh, I know he really enjoyed that experience, uh, being able to compete yeah. in phone pro tour and have that title. It would have been a bummer to like, not let him play because we wanted to win, you know? So I'm glad that he got to play yeah. some rounds and got to say, Hey, I got to compete with like a, a big team and, and, you know, we got second place, you know? So I'm glad he got to go home with that in his, you know, in his back pocket, you know? So I was, I was pretty pumped about it. And he's probably the oldest, like acting child at that age that I've seen, especially around Nerf. I thought he was like 10 or 11. And he was like, oh, I'm eight. I was like, dude, like, it was like, props to you, Chris. You raise a good kid. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's he was very kid. well behaved very and mature. very well, you know, it was, it was, it was good. I, I appreciated him in that. Um, um yeah, I've had a chance to hang out with, uh, we hung out with Frumble actually originally at Q2. Uh, so we had a very good bonding experience there and we've been, we've been friends ever since. So they're a good group of guys. Yeah. Um, but Beef Squad took first place, Frumble took second, Midnight Terror took third, and then uh, we took fourth, I'll say that. And I'm not sure okay. what else happened after that. But uh, that was I think, the well, what I also liked is, so there is, there is like the, the cash prize and then the best, the team with the best sportsmanship or the team that just like, you know, people liked the most. It was kind of like, it could be sportsmanship, could, you know, something like that. Fan favorite. Yeah. Um, they got, I think, a $300 gift card to Out of Darts website that Luke provided. It it was Which $500. I thought was a 500. Wow. Ooh. I thought that was a great idea because it was like it made it gave people an opportunity to like hey, like it doesn't matter. Let's let's try to win this. And sometimes hey, if people want to be competitive about being the most sportsmanlike team on the field, <laughs> I don't think that hurts anyone because in the, at the end Absolutely of the day, not. everyone's just competing about being the best you. you can be, right? So yeah. uh, I think one of the IDL teams may have taken that or, or, or uh, one of the Georgia teams may have taken that. I'm not sure which because I, I wasn't there because uh, the team captains voted on that, which I thought was smart uh, too. Um, it was team captains and I think sponsors or vendors as well. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, it, just, it was like, and then like a third place, a second place, a first place team could also get that. It wasn't just for like people who didn't place in like the, the podium. But generally, it was like, you know, when you're being that competitive, it's kind of hard to, you know, uh, you know, it's, it, it ended up being some of the, the, you know, the teams who didn't make it to the end that want, that were most voted on. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was a cool idea. I, th I hope we do that in the future because that, that was just really smart. I think that's a really cool. Uh, Really so cool thing to add. that's kind that's kind yeah. of part of our approach with Maryland Mayhem, at least uh, for the Maryland Foam Tournament, is that we really wanted to kind of have community sponsored uh, prizes involved. Uh, I, I, I don't even think we had a cash prize originally when we were first starting to plan because we didn't have a budget. Uh, so oh, right, we were yeah. 
we were relying on community-sponsored uh, prizes, which ended up working out great. Um, and I think, you know, as players that are in the hobby, you know, they, you know, you really appreciate that uh, as a prize. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts about Foam Pro Tour? I know. I, I basically left. I, I mean, I was yelling so much as a coach, like two left, two right, that like I, by the end, I was like about like li literally like I was getting lightheaded, that like lightheaded feeling that, oh, I'm going to pass out in a second. Uh, <laughs> because I was yelling so loud, you know, and it was so hot that I was like, yeah, this is not going well. Uh, so you're going to mark down like as like a notes for next year, like buy a megaphone? Yeah, or or make sure to check my blood pressure every couple of hours or something. <laughs> I don't know if they would let megaphones on the field. It, but there yeah. was another funny thing too. Barrett was one of the guys on our team. He uh, he was like, "Oh, the heat's not bothering me. I'm actually doing all right." Because we kept being like, "Man, it's so hot, whatever." And then and then right before the final, um, the 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 grand finals, he his nose just starts bleeding. <laughs> and it was oh, that's like, right. Your body, your mind is telling you one thing. Your body is telling you, dude, you got to stop. You know, it was so <laughs> funny. And it was like, what do we do? Like, this could be, you know, like, I don't, I, you know, I don't have to worry necessarily about this teenager. I don't think, but it is kind of an issue in terms of like blood, you know, on other players. It, it can be a bit of a, uh, what do you call it? Like, a, you know, biohazard. It, it's, it's not good. Yeah. Biohazard, I guess. Uh, so I think someone just gave him like a tissue or paper towels or something. He wrapped it up into like a bead and shoved it in his nose. Oh, and it yeah. was like, well, if it the doesn't, because they were like, you have nose three minutes. Tampon. Yeah, that works. We're like, we're going to give you three minutes. If it doesn't stop bleeding in three minutes, you can't play. Uh, and it was like, well, it's not bleeding. It could be stopped up in his nose somewhere. But I kept checking. <laughs> I was like, you bleeding? Let me see your nose. And I'm like, all right, you're good to go. Because I was like, I need him on the team because he was kind of, I mean, he was kind of our sniper in the back with his Caliburn. Uh, so that was hilarious for sure. Um, and I want to say there was something else that happened. Also that took like, a group. Also took a group photo with uh, with the bloody tissues, which was really funny. If you look at the, uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. It was it was pretty rough. Yeah, for it was sure. proudly posing with it. Oh God. Uh, yeah, I think I think my only real constructive criticism, if you can call it that, uh, more of a recommendation, yeah. is I'm I'm a firm believer of doing competitive indoors um, yeah, just in general same. because it's less uh, – uh, there's Variables. more controlled – Yeah, it's more controlled environment. Um, you know, the field wasn't entirely flat where we played at for this uh, FPT. Yep. Uh, and then also with the possibility of having the heat being what it was, uh, you know, it, it still could be hot indoors, but at least you're not baking in the sun. Uh, and you're not getting the entire time. Yeah, uh, I, I know yeah. both at, at the end of both days of HVZ and uh, FPT, I had a pounding headache, um, probably because I was on the verge mm. of heat exhaustion. But uh, yeah. yeah, I was definitely feeling it at the end of both days for sure. So I would consider moving uh, FPT or just competitive in general, if possible. I know it costs money and everything like that, but. Uh, I just think it's it's a, an appropriate environment to have a uh, a, a, a pro uh, competition. There was there was a, a venue in the area that I know Chris was like, hey, like, can we look at this? Because if it ends up, because it was also a fact that it could have rained really bad on Sunday too. Like the, for the sure. forecast right. was so sketchy for the entire weekend that like we really didn't know when it was going to rain until like the day before. Um, 
And it was like, I just thought it wouldn't, it would have been too short notice, I think, anyway. But like, I would have totally, I think plenty of people would be like, if, because Drac paid all, like, all the, all the money people won, Drac paid directly out of pocket. Whoa. So it's like, I would have rather you pay a venue to have us have an indoor field and have this for free with air conditioning. So that way we can have a better experience, air conditioning, better field than to have a, you know, really hard field to play on getting like on the verge of heat exhaustion just for some cash. Yeah. So like, I think, I think in my, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work in the future, but I hope we can do that because like, I know, especially on that field, there was nets everywhere because it was right next to a lake and I had bug bites all over my legs my knees were skinned because I was sliding it, you know, into barriers on the grass. But I got like legitimately, I got like a first degree burn on my nose. My nose had like a Oof. wound, like it was like it was pretty bad. Um, so like I, I luckily have now finally healed my face. But like I didn't realize <laughs> until when I left the venue how like red my face was, and then it just got so bad in the in the next few days. So I was like, yeah, if if we do it in Charlotte again. Let's just do it indoors. It's too hot. I, I can't I even imagine how bad it would have been in Florida. In Gainesville, holy hell, it would have been too hot. I, I just, and man, in July It was a hot weekend in well. general. Yeah, it was yeah. going to be in the middle of July, yeah, I think. that's a good point. So, <laughs> I, hope, I hope we can host it like in April or something, you know, where it's still a little cooler. Something like that. Would that. Be great. Yeah. Don't do it in April because that's Maryland mayhem, but any other time. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> true, true, true. January yeah. tournament one. There we go. Yeah, tr- uh, yeah, I hope. But yeah, I I don't know. Uh, do you want to like do like maybe a minute of like your entire consensus of the event and just kind of summarize it and what you thought? And then I might do one. And then I guess if we have nothing else to say, that might be it. Well, in summary, uh, I would just like to say uh, in contrast uh, to some people's opinions uh, last year's NWAR, I thought this NWAR was extremely successful for what it was just based on the logistics that were involved with having to uh, find a, another venue on such short notice. Um, I thought FoamCon was a very fun, intimate experience that allowed you to uh, engage with the vendors that were available, as well as have an efficient way of checking in and registering for End War. Um, I would love to see more vendors being able to make it out and more attendees next year. Um, it'd be nice to possibly find a location where we would be able to showcase blasters uh, firing but if not not a big deal if we're uh if we're notified in advance um and war mm-hmm. itself i thought was ran extremely well uh, i think a lot of that had to do with drac just letting the mod team do what they do best and uh uh and provide a fun engaging uh game mechanic and flavorful experience for hvz um again it would have been fun to have a zombie victory but i'm happy that i was a part of a human victory at end war uh and then uh foam pro tour again uh was just a fun overall experience uh just to be able to compete with friends and hang out with people that share the same passion that you have um and you know at the end of the day we are we are playing with kids toys you know so uh i don't know i don't know you know there's not too many opportunities uh besides you know rag and um end war and maybe maryland mayhem and and mall mutation and 
West vs. Zombies, those kind of events, uh, APOC, BPOC, where you can get together with friends and have fun and, you know, like I said, share that passion of foam flinging. So I would highly recommend uh, if you were on the fence about going to End War, haven't been to End War, uh, to definitely uh, check it out next year. I think you'll, you'll have a fun time. And at the very least, you'll be around people that love doing what you do. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. That's a good summary on yeah, that. Yeah, it's um, a really good summary. I, a lot of that I totally agree with. FoamCon, I think, was really intimate. I think if they just moved it to a smaller venue, I think it would have it would have felt better because people would have been closer together. You would have had tables that could have, you know, instead of having to walk all the way across the venue, they would be right next to each other. But still, it was so easy and everyone was so accessible that I couldn't, couldn't not love it. Um, the way the moderators held themselves and the way they ran things, they were super, super just diligent in that event. And then just at End War 2, the visibility of the moderation team were like, it felt like anywhere I looked, there was a moderator kind of checking and making sure things were okay. It, everyone felt like at any moment they could have a blast and joke around with us and, and you know, uh, you know, shoot the stuff with us. But if stuff went down, they could easily turn into moderation mode and make sure everything was done properly. They had such a good balance, and sometimes that can be hard with people to know like how to lead a certain way and how to lead another way. And they just they I guess it's the years and years of them doing that in their experience, they were so good. And again, Drac, I think letting the foot off the pedal a little bit and letting the team kind of run it the way they know they can run it, I think ended up working out really well and it made his team less stressed for other things like Foam Con and Foam Pro Tour. Um and like you said, Foam Pro Tour, for me, it was like, I always dreamed of this. And this is why we made a team for Foam Pro Tour in the first year. Is like when I was 13 and 14, 15 doing events in Georgia, it was like, how cool would it be if this was like a real sport that like people watched and like had sponsorships and we were getting paid to do this. And then like for the Foam Pro Tour last year, it was like, man, this feels like a really, this, this could be a step in that direction. And just yeah. like. I don't care as much about like sponsorships in that way or getting paid, but just to see a level of legitimacy where someone can say, Hey, I play with toy darts and be like, Oh, what's that about? So like someone who has no idea and then be like, Hey, watch this video of this stream where I like, we played really competitively and we have jerseys and we have teams and we have call signs and we have our own strategies and how to play. It's just cool to see that start to come into fruition that I felt like when COVID happened, it really halted that kind of going mm -hmm. in that direction. And now I feel like now that we're kind of, on the other side of that, we can see that that side of the hobby, that side of maybe if you want to call it a sport, grow and mature and become something that people can really gravitate to. And like, oh, my favorite team is, is you know, uh, uh, Rochester Radioactive. Oh, my team, like, I want to see that. I want to see like, you know, younger, younger audience members, younger hobbyists. Like, yeah, you're definitely going to start to have like, some winner pickers. Yeah, or like you know, I'm I got a jersey of my favorite player. Like that would just be so cool. I don't be, know. Like that might that, be me coming yeah. from a sports perspective, but you know, yeah. it's, so, so just to be a part Rangers of a team shirt. like that. Uh, hey, 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 let's go Rangers. <laughs> hey, New York, um, solidarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and now I've got like two jerseys in my closet. If I ever do a Southeast Slug team, I can have three jerseys. And I'm like, how cool would that be? Yeah. Like in ten years to like look back on that and be like, I just competed with some great hobbyists. I competed with great nervers. And at the end of the day. That's what I care about. And, you know, to be on a podium with some of them is really cool for sure. So that way it like adds a level of legitimacy to like my Wikipedia page, which is which <laughs> isn't real, but you know. Uh I, I, I just I, I love that stuff. I'm not huge into the competitive aspect of it, but like I love the scene. 
which is why, again, like if I could coach, I would coach forever. But uh, but there's not really that much of an opportunity for it, so I am forced to play sometimes. So, but yeah, uh, being being in Charlotte was great. Being close to home was nice. Uh, so I can't really complain there either. I just generally had a blast. Every year, I feel like I spend a ton of money to go to this event. Hopefully, next year I'll spend less money, but I never regret it. Uh, so, and I never regret going to any of those events. So, and just being able to see friends I've met now, not even just from my area and like, Hey, like there's my Georgia friends at N war, but now, Oh, Hey, there's the Kane guys. I know there's the guys from UMBC. I know there's the guys from Florida. I know there are some people from like, you know, who own companies that I now know It's such a cool way to like be able to meet people face to face that like otherwise I would have known on discord or something. So, um, it's always good to see people in person whenever you can. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, do we have a question we have to ask Dart Sweep? Is that what we're doing now? I think we do. Uh, uh, I apologize so I if like I rambled on and on. I know this probably went way longer than we had uh, anticipated. Hey, hey, but we've, we've done two hour episodes. It's fine. Hopefully they got some good content. Anyway, I guess like a question to close out uh, for you, uh, Andrew. What is the worst Dart Jam you've ever had? The worst dart jam i've ever had we're talking about physically <laughs> like an actual dart i would jam. hope it's physically yes hopefully <laughs> yeah like an actual Where we require dart jam. a uh, ramrod um or potentially a, yeah. an entire disassembly if it got yeah this is the dart jam podcast we got to know what your dart jams are like i mean i feel like i have a couple um i i know at uh i'll, I'll say this one uh i know at apoc uh last year neil had just uh, or boom had just built me a lynx uh originally it was hitting 200 and we swapped out a spring uh so it could hit closer to 300 and the moment i hit the field it was a oh, no-go no. <laughs> and, my, and, and my heart just sank um Ugh. so that was that was one of them uh but i will say maybe the next one actually was this recent at foam pro tour i was running my uh colonel watts 76 i love my aebs and uh somehow a dart got jammed in the breach which i was able to ramrod out uh but the blaster did not work afterwards, and that was my oh, primary. Oh, no. Yeah, so I had to switch over to oh, the FDL God. Basic, which isn't a bad alternative, but again, nah, yeah. if I if I can rock the 76 for comp, I'm going to rock the 76, but yeah. yeah, I would say that was uh, pretty catastrophic, uh, and I'll yeah. say that's why we lost the first match. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good when you can find an excuse, yeah. <laughs> So I hope you've all enjoyed this bit of a recap of NWAR. For those of you who went, we hope it was an enjoyable experience going through memory lane. And for those who, like myself, didn't get a chance to go, I hope this uh, kind of gave you a feel for what it may have been like and uh, maybe make you want to go next year. So uh, we're going to do our normal outro. Let's... Uh Darcy, why don't you let us know where people can find you? You can find me... Uh primarily on facebook uh i probably should instead of being called dart sweep be called sir spam a lot 
but yes, I am. Uh, I have a pretty decent uh, presence uh, within the Facebook groups, so you can find me on there along with uh, as Dart Sweep uh, and also DMV Nerfers group and page. Also uh, with the Maryland Foam Alliance group uh, group and page. Um, you can also find me at events at DMV Nerfers, Southern Maryland House of Nerf, and Maryland Nerf Herders. Uh, I also have a TikTok channel, and you can also find me on YouTube under Dart Sweep. Nice. Thank you so much for joining us, Andrew. Nate, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at NS underscore arms. Eh, don't think the Etsy shop's going anywhere. But uh, you can find me there under the same name. <laughs> uh, Spud, where can we find you? You can find me on Reddit and Spud Spadoni. Um, I think it's just yeah, Spud underscore Spadoni uh, on Discord. I'm in a lot of Discords under Spud Spadoni or in brackets Submarino Fabrications, which is also where you can find me on Etsy under Submarino Fabrications, where I now have... STLs relisted for my AM Pro kit, and you can check those out on Silver Fox's website. And also, I'm on YouTube under Spud Spadoni as one word, which I will be posting hopefully at some point soon in the next month or so, maybe. Uh, it's a lot of footage from this event that we're talking about now, and I plan on producing a lot more content uh, that I've now taken in the past month or so. So look out for that. And where can we find you, Boom? As always, you can find me as Boomstick Mods pretty much everywhere, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, you'll find me there. Awesome. So, as always, been Boomstick Mods. I'm Nate. I'm Spud Spadoni. And I'm Dart Sweep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right. Every time. Bye. See ya. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Thanks for having me.